0: What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 438 for your Sunday, July 31, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York, as always, coming to you from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Sunday nights, wherever you may be. What a week, man. What a week we had in the world of professional wrestling. Vince McMahon retires, quote-unquote. Triple H takes over as head of creative on Monday. WWE rolls into Madison Square Garden on Monday. Everybody's excited about what's to come. SummerSlam last night marks the beginning of the Triple H era. And everybody is riding a a very, very exciting high. I've been telling everybody not to expect any change, and we really haven't seen any drastic change. Eye-opening, oh my God, type of change. And we will not be seeing that type of change. I've been one of the leaders in the community telling you, please, take a step back, man. Calm it down. We're not going to see any change that drastic until we really get him involved in everything and we wipe away whatever Vince McMahon had done in all of 2022, even before that. I'm very confident that Triple H is going to take this brand and this thing we love. WWE Raw, SmackDown. He's going to take it and he's going to make it the very best it could possibly be. And we saw already glimpses of that Saturday night right in the opening match at SummerSlam. We got a lot of news tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go over... Vince McMahon never wanting to turn Becky Lynch back into a babyface. He wanted Becky Lynch to remain a heel after SummerSlam. Things played out differently last night, didn't they? Backstage news on Bailey's new faction. Why EO Sky and Dakota Kai are now on the main roster. We got news about Vince McMahon's name being removed from all backstage areas at WWE shows. Good. Get rid of him. News on Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey coming out of SummerSlam last night. WWE announcing WrestleMania 40. I got Hall of Fame news. What's going on with the Hall of Fame next year? Obviously, we'll talk about Triple H and the creative direction of WWE and everything that ensued on Monday with that historic announcement. Dave Meltzer reporting that NXT is somewhat going to go back to what Triple H's original vision for it was. Is Triple H beginning to put his foot down with everything creative? And will we see Triple H go to war with AEW? And why Vince McMahon was being filtered while he was still in charge. Apparently Vince McMahon was insensitive and offensive as far as the things he wanted aired on television. The old man had to be put out. Brought out back and shot dead. And Sasha Banks and Naomi, will WWE be, will be, they will be bringing Sasha Banks and Naomi back, but will they be bringing Sasha Banks and Naomi back to WWE? I think so. It's going to happen. I appreciate you guys joining me on this Sunday night, man. We got a lot to go over. All my VIPs in the venue this evening. Thank you guys so much for joining me on your Sunday nights. If you guys want to be a part of this Very, very exclusive club. All you guys got to do is hit that join button, man. We already got two members already before we even went live. We got Ali becoming a member. And we got Marcus Bryant becoming a member. We also got Larry Kemp and Moretz re upping their VIP memberships. Thank you, gentlemen. And Marcus and Ali, what are you guys drinking tonight? Follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Links are down in the description below. Go check all that stuff out. If you guys want to join the channel and become a VIP, link is in the description. Check it out. All you got to do is click more wherever you're watching. It's right there. Join the OTS VIP club. It's right there. Hit that subscribe button, guys. We just hit 135,000 subscribers on YouTube, man. Thank you guys very much. Our SummerSlam post show is over 50,000 views and 4,000 likes. Blew away everybody else in the community, man. Thank you guys very, very, very much for all of your support and making Off the Script the place to be after every single show, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and all pay reviews and premium live events. Go check out the SummerSlam review if you missed it. And anything else on the channel, everything you need is on the homepage. I'll be back with a brand new week of content tomorrow, beginning with Monday Night Raw. Man, The SummerSlam that we got on Saturday should prove to be a very informative and newsworthy Monday Night Raw. And typically, the SummerSlam... That we get every year, the, the 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 role that follows is usually very, well, not under Vince McMahon, but it usually is very newsworthy, or it has been. So we will be live tomorrow night. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Audible. Make sure you guys go and get your 30 days and one free audio book of your choice. That's audibletrial.com slash scripts. John Moxley's book is on there. You guys can get get 30 days of Audible service and John Moxley's book for free. 9 hours of John Moxley on me. Audibletrial.com/scripts go and check them out. Always a great friend and a great sponsor of the podcast right here on OTS. Let's start at the top, man. We got a lot of news coming out of SummerSlam, and I want to jump right into the SummerSlam news and rumors. I thought SummerSlam was a very good show. It wasn't the greatest SummerSlam I've seen WrestleGeeks say today that, oh, it was the best pay-per-view of the entire year. Negative. Negative. That's just you being a shill. It's not the best pay-per-view of the entire year. Not even close. Not when you got Tony Khan's Pay-per-view model that has already set the bar for pay-per-view. Revolution, to me, was the best pay-per-view of the entire year. Then you got Double or Nothing, which was a solid show. Long, but a solid show. Forbidden Door was tremendous. Super Card of Honor was tremendous. Death Before Dishonor was fucking fantastic. It wasn't the best pay-per-view of the entire year. Was it good? Absolutely. Did it really live up to SummerSlam? Yes, Absolutely. Was it the best SummerSlam of all time? No. Was it the best pay-per-view the entire year? No. It did its job. It was basically Triple H in charge of Vince McMahon's leftovers. That's all it was. You can't really expect a lot of change coming out of a show that was basically promoted and booked by Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard. Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch opened the show with the Raw Women's Championship match. The story is not only Bianca Belair retaining the women's championship, but what I thought was a great match. Not better than their WrestleMania match. Not better than their WrestleMania match. Not even close. Good, but they tore the house down at WrestleMania. Maybe one of the best women's matches all year. The story, outside Bianca Belair retaining, two things. Becky Lynch shook Bianca Belair's hand at the end of the match, signaling possibly a, a heel turn that admittedly was a failure. Now Becky Lynch turning babyface. I got news on that in a little bit. Besides that, we got Bailey making a return. She's been adversaries with Bianca Belair for a little bit. Bailey was the woman that Bianca Belair was feuding with before Bailey, unfortunately, got injured thanks to Vince McMahon. Bailey shows up with Dakota Kai and Io Shirai, who is now going by the name of Io Sky. It's not the worst of names that WWE has given a talent. I know the name changes are something that pisses people off, but it's going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing. It's not going anywhere. They're just going to keep that mentality moving forward. But this is not as egregious as the other names that we were given like Butch and Ezekiel or any of those names. EO Sky, Genius of the Sky, is what Mauro Ronaldo coined EO Shirai. So it seems that they're keeping that nickname, Genius of the Sky, EO Sky. This is a faction. This is a faction. It got everybody excited, and within five minutes, Triple H transformed the Raw Women's Division from disaster to absolutely must-see television. Within five minutes, Triple H erased Everything that Vince McMahon did with the women's division and has given Bianca Belair challenger after challenger after challenger. Look at that Raw women's division now. What was it? It was Bianca and Becky Lynch, and that was it. We were wondering where Bailey was going to go, and now she apparently is going to Monday Night Raw. But now you move on from Bianca and Becky, and now look at the division. Bianca, Becky, Rhea. Asuka, Alexa Bliss is still there. She's still a notable name. She sucks, but she's still there. Then you got Bailey, Io Shirai, and Dakota Kai. That is a formidable women's division. Finally, I consider and tell you guys, we actually have a division, a collection of women that we can call a division. And I am most excited about that. Dakota Kai was fired. Months ago, she had dark matches on SmackDown, or right before SmackDown, for weeks. So did Io Shirai. And Vince McMahon did nothing with them. Ultimately, Io, reportedly from Meltzer, asked for her release, or didn't want to go, or was about to have a contract run out. She was about to just leave the company because she didn't want to go to the main roster, knowing that her future would probably be disastrous. Dakota Kai asked for her release. It was granted And she was let go. Something that she had requested and something that was granted because she didn't want to be back there. Triple H obviously saw a lot in both Dakota Kai and Io Shirai and has brought them now to the main roster. Imagine having Dakota Kai on the main roster, having tryout matches, dark matches, and you don't see anything in her. This is somebody that is very well respected, very well liked, a tenured veteran, young attractive, imagine taking her and not seeing anything in her. Same thing with Io Shirai. Io Shirai, according to many circles in all of pro wrestling, is probably, if not the best, absolutely in the top three in the world as far as women's professional wrestlers. Imagine having one of the greatest women's professional wrestlers on the roster and doing nothing with her. Not even batting and I, I, I don't like. I don't like the way she looks. I don't like the way she speaks. I don't think there's anything there for me to use, says Vince McMahon and Bruce Brichard. Get him out. Get him out. Change. Change. Within five minutes, he changed the landscape of women's wrestling on Monday night to a point where I can't wait for Monday Night Raw. To hear what Bianca has to say, to hear what Becky has to say, to hear what Bayley has to say. Apparently, they're calling themselves control. Control. I don't know if that's the name of the group moving forward, but Bailey seems to have insinuated that it's going to be something along the lines of control. She quoted Janet Jackson today on social media. She says, this is a story about control, my control, control of what I say, control of what I do, and this time I'm going to do it my way. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Are we ready? I am. Because it's all about control, and I've got lots of it. And she tweeted at Janet Jackson and at WWE. Bailey being back is tremendous. Bailey being back is absolutely a game changer for the division. She was sorely missed. And this has Triple H DNA written all over it. Triple H loved EO. Triple H loved Dakota Kai. These are two women that Triple H brought into the company on his own accord. Bailey, obviously, everybody's gonna love Bailey. Bailey was the woman, one of the women that Triple H hand chose to be the leader of this revolution. A revolution that Bailey and Sasha took to the next level. A revolution that happened because of Triple H and NXT. Never forget that. Never. There are other hands that were involved in it, but without the platform of NXT, these women would have never given the state of the WWE, would have never been given the platform to show what the revolution of women's wrestling could be about. I love this. Everything about this, I love it. This was a group that supposedly was pitched to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon listened to the idea about this group potentially being on TV. The idea of this group legitimately was at the fucking desk of Vince McMahon. You know what he said? No. No. I don't want it. I don't like it. Get it out of here. Fightful's reporting that backstage details have been revealed during re- uh, uh, about this this entire situation with this new group that Bailey is leading regarding the formation of this new power trio that debuted at SummerSlam. After the Raw Women's Championship match, we got Bianca Belair pinning Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair being stared down by Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, and Bailey. Becky Lynch got in there to back Bianca Belair up. According to the report from Fightful, Bailey has been back at the Performance Center for weeks in preparation for her impending return to the ring. Dakota Kai, according to this report, while she had introductory talks with AEW and had some of their roster pushing for her to join, it didn't go further than that. She was a name that others backstage in WWE, including writers, expected would be called up to the main roster before she was released by the company earlier in the year. She was a name that several people in the company that Fightful spoke to mentioned as someone that Triple H would make a priority to bring back. Who else is on that list of priorities on that list of Triple H's. Sasha Banks and Naomi, no doubt about it. And I'm sure there are others on that list as well. Johnny Gargano, more than likely being one of them. Karrion Cross, more than likely being another one. It was also reported that following her main roster uh, tenure, several writers were baffled that she wasn't included in last year's main roster draft after going through dark matches. Now, while EO Sky's contract wasn't up yet with WWE, she's been off television on NXT 2.0 most of the year with an injury, leading some to wonder about her future before her appearance at SummerSlam last night, although officials gave an inconclusive answer when asked about her contractual status. Interestingly enough, the trio had already been pitched to Vince McMahon, and he rejected it. The report notes that before Dakota's release... There were versions of the stable that included Raquel Rodriguez and Kaylee Ray that were pitched to Vince McMahon. However, Vince rejected them, opting to call up Raquel and repackage Kaylee Ray to what her character is now in Alba Fire. Thank God Vince McMahon is out. That's all I can say about that. If Vince McMahon was in charge... I don't think people are raving about SummerSlam last night. If Vince McMahon is in charge, Dakota Kai doesn't have a job with WWE and doesn't show up at SummerSlam last night. If Vince McMahon was in charge, E.O. Shirai would be on her way to stardom after the contract with WWE was up. If Vince McMahon was in charge, Becky Lynch would still be a fucking heel. If Vince McMahon was in charge, we wouldn't be excited for Monday Night Raw and the prospect of the women's division being better than it has ever been on the main roster. Thank God Vince McMahon is gone. Thank God. Triple H already making change known and felt coming out of SummerSlam. It's a beautiful thing. Imagine having EO. I said this before. Imagine having EO and Dakota Kai on your roster and saying, yeah, I don't see anything in them. I don't see anything in them. Get rid of them. Send them back to NXT. You thought, you, you think Vince McMahon watches NXT? Vince McMahon never watched NXT. All Vince McMahon do was send Bruce Prichard down there and run it like a fucking three-ring circus. Bruce would get back to Vince about what he doesn't like, who he doesn't like, who he likes, and this and that. It was basically Bruce's playground. They got everybody ready that they liked. Everybody that was Triple H, they were basically fired. The only ones that are there that are still under Triple H's administration is Roderick Strong and Cameron Grimes. Everybody else is gone. There's nobody that remains from Triple H's administration. That's going to change. That is going to change. When it happens down there, I don't know. But we're certainly seeing that change now on the main roster, and it's a beautiful thing. Going back to the Becky Lynch thing, Vince wanted Becky Lynch to remain a heel after SummerSlam. This fucking demented old fuck wanted Becky Lynch to remain a heel after Summerslam. Triple H said, "Fuck that! I'm getting rid of that, and we're going back to what brought Becky Lynch, uh, Becky Lynch, to prominence. We're gonna do what we should have did months ago with Becky Lynch. Because I hear people online, I see people online, I hear the crowd reaction live every time she comes out. It is not working." There is not one single fucking person legitimately that enjoyed Becky Lynch's heel work. If you did, you're a complete fucking puppet. You're a shill. It was one of the worst acts in the entire company. Becky Lynch is not a heel. Never was, never will be. We need to go back and do what we did originally with Becky Lynch, and that is make her into a fucking Irish ass kicker. That's what needs to be done. The reactions that Becky Lynch got were death to any pro wrestler. Indifference. These people didn't want to boo Becky Lynch. Nobody wanted to boo Becky Lynch. Nobody wanted Becky Lynch in this role ever. Vince McMahon did. I heard reports. I read reports last year coming out of the Oh, Becky Lynch wanted to be a heel. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. You believe these reports about Becky Lynch wanting to be heel? Me fucking break. She didn't come out last year at SummerSlam as a fucking heel. She came out looking like a babyface. She came out looking like the Becky Lynch that we remember before she got pregnant. Becky Lynch didn't want to be a heel. Vince McMahon wanted Becky Lynch to be a heel. You don't think that woman has the power to speak up about what she wants and what she doesn't want? She holds the cards of power in that division. If she don't want something to happen, she's going to say it, and it's going to happen. No matter who the fuck you think Vince McMahon or Becky Lynch are, she has the power. She didn't want to be a heel. Vince McMahon made her into a heel. They all bowed down to Vince McMahon. Nobody says anything, yet Sasha Banks and Naomi got to get criticized for sticking up for what they think is right, getting no respect at all for walking out of the company because they thought the creative direction for whatever was going on in the general sense, in all of the women's division, was dog shit. And they got shit on for it. I respect that more than someone like Becky Lynch rolling over and just saying, yes, Vince, yes, Vince, yes, Vince. How can I tickle your balls tonight, Vince? No. Becky Lynch didn't want to go heel. She was forced into being a heel. Wade Keller confirmed the decision to turn Lynch back to a babyface was not in the plans just a couple of weeks ago. Before Vince McMahon uh, resigned as CEO of the company. Keller said, and I quote, I can now confirm Becky was not going to turn if Vince was still in control. This was a Paul Levesque call. I just got confirmation on that, says Wade Keller. She would have been a heel as we're talking right now if Vince McMahon was still running things. I'm assuming this happened after SummerSlam. So one big change early on, Right there with Triple H is changing Becky Lynch over to the proper role she should be facing uh, against Monday Night Raw and the women's division. She should be facing off against the rest of that division as a babyface. And you got three heels now in Io, who's probably going to kill it. Bailey, who's going to kill it and be a great mouthpiece for Io Shirai, where there may be a language barrier there. And Dakota Kai, who can very much well speak for herself and is going to be a great heel and has shown she could be a great heel in NXT. And this is not the only change that's coming. Expect to see more changes coming in the weeks and months to come as Vince McMahon's storylines get wiped away and Triple H needs to continue to clean up the mess. Pretty much that Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard caused. This is great. His vision is going to become more of a focus point on Monday and Friday. And we could see a lot more release stars return as well. I mentioned Johnny Gargano. Everybody's claiming that Johnny Gargano may be back. We could see Bray Wyatt back. Everybody's claiming that Bray Wyatt may, may be on his way back to the WWE. Sasha Banks, Naomi, this is not it. If you think this is it, you're a fool. But there's not much that Triple H can do. You're seeing the change. These little things that didn't need to be or never should have been. Becky Lynch being Ronda Rousey turning into a, 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 a heel last night. Shedding that baby face persona, going heel. That needed to be done as well. Now, let's take it a step further and pair Paul Heyman or or, or, a, or a mouthpiece with Ronda Rousey. No matter who it is, as long as you give her somebody that can actually fucking speak for her. Let her be a, a goddamn trained assassin. They're clearly setting up Becky and Ronda Rousey for WrestleMania next year. The roles have already been set in stone. We're going to see more of that play out on Monday and on Friday in regards to Becky and Ronda. Becky going babyface and Ronda going heel pretty much. All but confirm that they're meeting at WrestleMania. The one-on-one match that we should have got, but Charlotte needed to be included because she didn't want to be a third wheel. Or she didn't want to be left out. She was a third wheel. She didn't want to be left out. Oh, you can't have a WrestleMania women's main event without me. I'm the queen. No. Match may may be a little too late now. What was that, 35? Five years too late. Ronda sucks... Ronda sucks more now than she did then. But that's what they're setting up for, and you can see it. God, man, Vince McMahon being gone is such a fucking great feeling, isn't it? The changes are so subtle, and you're going to start to see now, in the build to Clash at the Castle, you're going to see what Triple H can really do. We're already seeing Clash at the Castle take shape. This is a Triple H, this is a Paul Levesque show. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. We got Bianca Belair versus Bailey, and who knows what else is going to be booked on that show. It's going to be great. So we got those two major programs already going into Clash of the Castle. I'm very pleased with what came out of SummerSlam last night. We were not supposed to expect drastic change, but what we got last night was just the most basic of basic things that needed to be fucking changed. Shit, that did not make sense. New names being brought to the roster to freshen up the women's division. It was a fucking disaster. Now look at it. Now look at it. You may be looking at the best women's division in all of pro wrestling just based on what happened last night at SummerSlam. I hope Triple H does the same thing to SmackDown. SmackDown right now is looking a little rough. SmackDown right now is looking a little rough. Does Sasha and Naomi come back? Do they come back? How soon do they come back? Do we see more women show up? Maybe we see Candice LeRae come back with Johnny Gargano. Maybe Johnny goes to SmackDown. Maybe Candice LeRae joins him on SmackDown. She never really got a proper send-off. They got, you know, their their shit going on. She had a child, Johnny, and Candice had their first child. She never even came back. They just let her go. We could see Candace LeRae come back. Who's to say we don't see toxic attraction brought up to the May roster. Not really a big toxic attraction guy. But it would add obvious missing depth to SmackDown. You got Raquel Rodriguez over there. You bring Sasha Banks. You got Naomi. You got Shotzi. You give her more of a, of a role on that show. We got Charlotte coming back. No matter how much we hate Charlotte Flair, she'll be back, right? Ronda's over there. Not a big Ronda guy, but if she goes heel, things may work out to be very beneficial for Ronda. Liv Morgan's over there. It could be a solid division, much better than what we see now. All he needs to do is inject new life in that, in that division, and we'll be feeling the same way about that as we are Monday Night Raw. Now, if he does that, I hope these subtle changes continue. We see the women's division getting fresh faces and getting a a nice little revamp. Hopefully it happens on SmackDown. I hope he does the same for the tag team division. I hope he does the same for the tag team division in WWE, whether that means having separate divisions, eliminating two divisions and having floating championships
2: with the Usos, going from SmackDown to Raw and Raw to SmackDown.
0: Change that is absolutely necessary, and I know he's going to make it right. Because I know the way he ran NXT, and I know how he is about giving the fans what they want, and him listening to the criticisms. He remains quiet. He sees and hears everything. I do think that these little changes that were absolutely in desperate need of change, they are going to get changed over time. And we're just starting to see the little glimpses of this coming out of SummerSlam, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, Vince McMahon's name was removed from the backstage area at all WWE shows. PW Insiders reporting that what was previously referred to as Vince's office is now being called the CEO office, and there was a second office set up backstage for Triple H, being that he's head of talent relations. All of the old signs that Vince had and... Had Vince's name on it, we're no longer posted backstage. If you watched SummerSlam, then you definitely would have noticed Triple H's fingerprints all over the show. Like I said, you saw that in the things that I just mentioned at the top of this show. Kai and Shirai, Becky Lynch turning babyface, Ronda going rogue and going heel. Kevin Dunn is still with the company. Right now, he's still with the company. for, For now. He may be gone by the end of the year. We don't know. It was noticeable that they did cut down on the rapid camera zooming and camera cuts that many fans have complained about. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but in addition, they removed the LED boards from the ring apron and the ring posts. Again, subtle changes. We didn't need all that shit. That was a Vince McMahon call. Triple H said, get it out. Get it out. I don't need my pro wrestling to be looking too pretty. We can still be pretty, but let's eliminate all this extra bullshit that we don't need and cut costs where it's necessary. If you're a fan of what Triple H is doing or was doing in NXT, you're obviously going to be a fan of what he's going to do on the main roster. And if you were not a fan of Vince McMahon's vision, clearly, it's time to give WWE another chance. I've been hearing it all week. J.D., this is the first time I've watched SummerSlam in years. J.D., this is the first time I'm watching Monday Night Raw in years. I haven't watched since the Attitude Era. I haven't watched since AEW was born. People are now, slowly but surely, the diehards anyway, are slowly but surely coming back because they know exactly what Triple H is capable of. Again, change. And it's a beautiful thing. Speaking of Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan, WWE cut time from Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan at SummerSlam. After Logan Paul and The Miz went too long. Now, WWE did fuck up last night. They did fuck up. I seen a lot of video packages last night for several times. We seen one for Brock Lesnar. We seen one for Roman Reigns. And I guess they had to do that to kind of sell everybody on their rivalry. Whatever the case may be, those video packages were like three, four, five minutes long. We saw one for Seth Rollins. We saw one for Kevin Owens. We saw one for Charlotte Flair. I don't know why they included that in the show. SummerSlam went, I would say, almost four hours. Went about three hours and 45 minutes. But if you are trying to cut time off matches, why don't we cut time off of the amount of video packages that were shown last night at SummerSlam? That could have been added to The Liv Morgan Ronda Rousey match. Or that could have been added to the Usos and the Street Profits. Which now that I look at it and think about it. Maybe they were cut for time as well. Because after all the hype that we got. And all of the fucking praise that the match at Money in the Bank got. That's what we were given. Underwhelming and not even close to what they did at Money in the Bank. So I'm wondering if all of this. Even with Liv and Ronda getting cut. I wonder if the Street Profits and the Usos were also cut for time as well. More than likely yes. Yes. So, SummerSlam, it was kept short as this match was, Ronda and uh, and Liv Morgan. It was kept short, and it only lasted five minutes before ending in controversy. As Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan were in a situation where Rousey had Liv Morgan in an armbar, and it looked like Liv was about to tap, and she did. But all the while, Ronda had the armbar on Liv Morgan, Liv Morgan was pinning Ronda Rousey's shoulders to the mat. And the referee counted one, two, three. But as the referee was counting one, two, three, before he actually made the three count, Liv Morgan was tapping out to the armbar. So the match was fucking terrible. It was atrocious. Probably the worst women's match all year. Or one of them, at least. But the ending, the ending was brilliant. The ending protected Ronda. The ending protected Liv. Liv. It protected Liv because she didn't give up after all of the torture Ronda was putting on that arm. It protected Ronda Rousey because there's no way anybody was going to go into this match believing that Liv Morgan could beat Ronda Rousey one-on-one. So you can't have Ronda lose to somebody that's not believable in Liv Morgan. And like I said, Liv Morgan, she was built in a way where she didn't give up. So everybody was protected very, very nicely in this match. And we got the fuck finish, which led to Ronda Rousey's heel turn, attacking Liv Morgan after the match was over, attacking the referees. We don't know if Ronda's going to be fined or suspended coming out of this thing on Friday. Maybe this leads to Charlotte Flair coming back and going one-on-one with Liv Morgan. All the redemption story that people pitched, it should be live in Charlotte, Live in Charlotte. Maybe this is a way where WWE is thinking that same thing, and maybe we get Charlotte coming in with her putting over Liv Morgan. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. Ronda certainly is going to get another rematch. There's no way WWE officials are going to look at this and say, well, Ronda, we're going to suspend her and not really give her a case to complain. She does have a case to complain. The referee missed it and Liv tapped before the referee made the three count. So what I'm thinking is we're going to get another match with Liv and Ronda at Clash of the Castle, or we're going to get Charlotte back and we're going to get Charlotte interjected into this thing, which I hope is not leading to another Charlotte reign of terror. Triple H, I know we speak highly of him, but I don't know whether or not he is on our side here and wants to give the younger talent, the fresh talent, the run, or he's going to go with the tried and true in a Ronda or in a Charlotte flair. I don't know. And if we're building towards Becky and Ronda at WrestleMania, do we need the SmackDown Women's Championship for that? Does that match need the SmackDown Women's Championship? I don't think so. But I'm predicting right now that Becky Lynch wins the Royal Rumble. I think Becky Lynch gets back to being big-time Bex with a, with, with a championship around her waist. And I do think Ronda is the champion that drops the title to Becky Lynch in that match that WWE is seemingly thinking about, which is five years too late. But yes, time was cut from this because of the video package that WWE showed at SummerSlam last night. And it looks like WWE once again is building to a third Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan match. The first one obviously being the cash in the money in the bank. Second match being this one and the third match possibly taking place on September 3rd in Cardiff. I don't really care for it, but we'll see what happens. But time was cut from that match at SummerSlam. WWE announced the date and location for WrestleMania 40. This is an official statement from WWE. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney The Philadelphia Eagles and the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau, PHL Sports and WWE are proud to announce that Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia will host WWE's pop culture extravaganza, WrestleMania 40, on Saturday, April 6th, and Sunday, April 7th. So it's nice to see that WWE is continuing the two-night WrestleManias. I love it. WrestleMania Is going to be a two-day event and a week-long celebration, which will include SmackDown on Friday night, the 2024 Hall of Fame convention or ceremony, and Monday Night Raw at Wells Fargo Center, as well as other fan events at Pennsylvania's convention center. In addition, WWE will also host multiple community outreach events, including hospital visits and be a star, bullying prevention rallies designed to give back to the local region. Over the past decade, WrestleMania has generated more than $1.25 billion in economic impact for cities that have hosted the event. This past April, 156,352 fans from all 50 states and 53 countries attended WrestleMania at AT&T Stadium, generating a record $206.5 million in the Dallas-Arlington region. We are proud to welcome WWE fans from all around the world to Philadelphia to be a part of the historic 40th WrestleMania in 2024, said Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney. The week-long series of events will help put a global spotlight on our great city while also generating a major impact for our local economy. Now, this was a surprise to me. I I was expecting Las Vegas for WrestleMania 40, and everybody's thinking the same thing. In regards to this announcement, what about the weather in April? The weather is very unpredictable in April on the East Coast. I don't know. We could get a 60-degree fucking day all sun. We could get a 50-degree fucking wipeout with rain. Or we can get something that is just out of the norm, 70 degrees, sunny, beautiful all weekend. We don't know. We don't know. But it is, I will say this, being from the East Coast myself, And being not too far from Philadelphia, it is a great thing to see WWE come back with the biggest show of the year, back to the East Coast, and I'm already planning on being in the Philadelphia area for WrestleMania, and I'm already planning on taking the podcast to WrestleMania. So I don't know what's going to happen or what's going to be announced or what I want to do, but I will be in town for WrestleMania, and I will be covering the show from Philadelphia, and it's going to be awesome. So, we will see what happens, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I know a lot of fans out there of the podcast are from that region. So, it's going to be great to meet all you guys in Philly for WrestleMania weekend. The Hall of Fame ceremony. Now, the 2024 Hall of Fame ceremony is taking place at the Walt Fargo Center, but what about this coming WrestleMania? What about this coming WrestleMania? We got WrestleMania coming up for WrestleMania 39. For so the Hall of Fame ceremony planned right now, according to Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer, is for the Hall of Fame ceremony in 2023 to once again combine it with a pre-WrestleMania episode of SmackDown. Now Meltzer wrote, and I quote, Raw and SmackDown will both be held that week at the Wells Fargo Center. The belief right now is the Hall of Fame and SmackDown will be combined on April 5th like last year. Just to avoid any confusion Meltzer is actually referring to earlier this year rather than last year, as the last years took place at the Thunderdome and was taped a week in advance. So if this is the case, then it would be very well, uh, it very well could be that the tradition going forward would be after SmackDown on that Friday and then right into WrestleMania night one and then into WrestleMania night two. So more than likely what Meltzer's talking, I don't know why he said Wells Fargo, and he was a year ahead. So whatever the case may be for Los Angeles, wherever their Hall of Fame ceremony is going to be, wherever that SmackDown is going to be, it's going to be a pre-taped SmackDown in Los Angeles, right outside SoFi Stadium, and it's going to be a pre-taped SmackDown followed by the Hall of Fame ceremony, just like they did this year with The Undertaker and all that you saw there with the Hall of Fame ceremony this year. So just letting you guys know, that is what's going on. Staples Center, probably. Staples Center more than likely for the Hall of Fame ceremony, I'm assuming. So, yes, that is the current plan for the Hall of Fame ceremony this year. Triple H was appointed head of creative this week. This was the big story. He says, we are grateful for the opportunity to lead WWE together with our unmatched management team. And we recognize this is a tremendous opportunity and responsibility, and we look forward to serving the WWE universe. Awesome. Paul Levesque will assume all responsibilities of WWE's creative in addition to being head of talent relations. You guys know how I feel about this. There really isn't there really is anything more I can add on top of. I'm fucking excited about Triple H taking over. I cannot wait. You are already seeing the change. Monday Night Raw, we already saw the change. We saw subtle changes. There's nothing drastic coming. We saw the first hour of Monday Night Raw. And Triple H has been on record saying he hates the three hours of Monday Night Raw because it's ridiculous to write. It is such a difficult task to go out there and write 3 hours of television every single week without being repetitive. Will they go away from the 3 hours of Monday night raw? I don't think that's a decision that's up to Triple H. They make too much money with that 3 hour Monday night raw on USA Network. It's easy money for them. But what Triple H did on Monday night and we may see we may see this this model moving forward. It was a lot of pro wrestling Triple H is known to be a lover of professional wrestling. He may send some of the best guys out there and have that first hour, just have them go out there and tear the house down. Drew McIntyre and Austin Theory, they had a match. They had a match, 10 minutes. We got a situation where that match did lead into a tag team match. We got that, It it led into a tag team match that had Bobby Lashley show up and save Drew McIntyre, right, from Austin Theory and Sheamus. But that match was not bad. That's a Vince McMahon model. But it took up most of the first hour. It almost went 45 minutes. And we got a Roman Reigns promo thrown in there that was very well done with Paul Heyman. We got a lot of build with SummerSlam on Monday. Roman Reigns cut a promo on Brock Lesnar. Paul Heyman cut a promo on Brock Lesnar. Austin Theory came out to tease a cash-in. They addressed Austin Theory, did the bloodline. Drew McIntyre came out. Drew McIntyre is in there with Austin Theory pretty much staking his claim at Roman Reigns. Sheamus comes out to attack him. They're selling that aspect come Friday for the Donny Brook match and the number one contendership for the Universal Championship. So we got a ton of build. Everything was nice and cohesive. There was a lot of continuity on Monday. Continuity doesn't exist in Vince McMahon's vo- vocabulary book. It doesn't exist in Bruce Pritchard's vocabulary book. So all of this was a great start to Monday Night Raw. Now, obviously, the show dropped off, but it was a great start. After that tag team match was over, we got Roman Reigns coming out and laying Austin Theory out. Everything flowed beautifully into each other. Friday on SmackDown, we got a great match with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. The show wasn't overly offensive like it usually is. New Day didn't come out there dancing in fucking cosplay gear. We got a a, a serious new day against the Viking Raiders. We got Pat McAfee and Baron Corbin with a nice little build. It didn't feel overly fucking offensive. So those changes you're seeing. Commentary sounding a little bit more natural. Everything is going to come when it is supposed to come. So don't worry about the change. You're going to see the change. The subtle change right now. The things that he is... In charge of, he will take time to do. But those little things, the things that I just mentioned, SummerSlam and the heel turn of Ronda Rousey, the babyface turn of, uh, of Becky Lynch, Io Shirai and Dakota Kai showing up on the May roster. The women's division being transformed overnight in five minutes. Those things, he's attacking what he can, the easy shit. The shit that Vince McMahon is fucking ruined and it's going to take months on, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see those changes overnight. So I love it. He did hold a talent meeting with everybody before Monday Night Raw. Wants more transparency backstage. There was a new report from Fightful that stated Triple H held a talent meeting before the July 25th Raw from Madison Square Garden. And those in contact with Fightful were said to be pleased with the way the talent meeting went. There was a feeling of optimism. Optimism is something that didn't exist two weeks ago feeling of optimism regarding the changes made within the company. The report continued noting that Triple H promised the talent a level level of transparency that some felt wasn't present during the previous regime. He said he wants an open line of communication between himself and the talent. In recent years, it's become common to have to wait hours to speak to Vince McMahon and FaceTime with a former CEO was said to be dwindling. It's the same way he ran NXT. The same exact way He ran NXT. There's nothing that anybody should be upset about here. That, to me, already is change. Tremendous change. Happy roster, great show. Happy roster that feels like they're a part of the the system, involved. Happy roster that feels that they can go into Triple H's office and explain why they may be unhappy or explain why they're upset and... Everything that comes along with that, that have a problem with something, problem with creative, problem with direction, problem with lack of TV time, what's going on? You couldn't buy FaceTime with Vince McMahon. Triple H, the way he ran NXT, open-door policy. You have a fucking problem. Anything you have a problem with, you come talk to me, and we'll fucking get it done. There's a reason why everybody that complained about the main roster, when they went down to NXT, they felt like it was night and day. It was walking... From hell, working for the fucking devil, and walking onto NXT and into that performance center, it was like walking onto a fucking island paradise. Everybody loved it. They didn't feel the feeling of walking on eggshells. They felt laxed, family-orientated environment. It's great. This is the type of environment that Triple H wants to instill in the WWE. Change. That's not change that you and I are going to see, but that is change. That's probably the most important fucking change. That is probably the most important change of all, and it's not something that's going to be apparent on Monday or Friday. Triple H also made it clear that he wants work to be fun. We want you to go out there and have fun. Go figure. If it doesn't feel like a job anymore, that's great. This doesn't feel like a job to me. This is my full-time gig. This doesn't feel like a job to me. That's, I wish I could, I wish I could have everybody feel that same way. That's exactly what he wants from his roster. Go out there and have fun. If, If it starts to be a burden on you and you take work home and it starts to bring you down and you start to fucking lose sleep over it and it starts to make you depressed, then there's a fucking problem. It's not you, it's the fucking work. And you need to change where you work because your happiness is most important. I've been there. Everybody's been there. Working for a fucking scumbag. Working for a goddamn company that doesn't appreciate you. That doesn't even know you exist. That just brings you down and makes you feel like shit. We've all been there, man. I've been there. I've been there. Way too long. Thank God. I do what I do now. That's what he wants the WWE to be. Fun. Go out there and do your shit. Go out there and be professional. We're going to fucking... Kill this shit, but I want you to have fun. I want you to have fun while you go out there and work. According to Feifel, the general consensus following the meeting was very positive. On July 22nd, Vince McMahon retired. And Vince McMahon, I know a lot of people, I said this all week, man. For everybody that wants to say, oh, J.D., Vince McMahon still owns 80% of the controlling shares. I know. I know. If you came to me in discussion and said, well, I think Triple H is just a figurehead, I think Vince McMahon's still running Gotham City from the fucking bowels of Gotham. I, I Listen, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you, man. You, you have every right to think that. But I honestly and truly believe that Vince is gone. Vince is gone. Vince wanted Becky Lynch to remain a heel. Vince wanted the women's division to continue to fucking suffer. Vince didn't want anything Triple H wanted because he knew that whatever Triple H was bringing to the table was the right way for the company, the future of the company. We wouldn't see EO, we wouldn't see Dakota, we wouldn't see Bailey back in an exciting role, leading a fucking faction of three great women. Vince didn't want that. Now he can sit there and sulk on his fucking rocking chair, wondering, I wonder what they think of what I have to say. Fuck him. Fuck him. I hope you eat your alphabet soup. And you watch Wheel of Fortune with a fucking tear down your face before Monday Night Raw every fucking Monday. You fucking old fuck. I don't give a shit. Yeah, 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 Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon. We got to thank Vince McMahon. We got to thank Vince McMahon for everything that we got. We got to thank Vince McMahon for podcasts like this. Fuck off. Change. Change. And I hate change, man. I'm the the type of guy that goes to a fucking restaurant and orders the same fucking thing every single time he goes. No matter what. But I know when change is needed. I know when change is needed. Now we're getting change. It's almost as if these people, like I said, it's almost as if these people were in agreement with Vince McMahon. It's almost like they didn't want to leave the Vince McMahon era. Like you knew change was coming And you want to create a fucking narrative for yourself to shill to your fucking audience. Oh, we got to thank Vince McMahon. Everybody that's for this is a fucking idiot. Change is not going to happen. Change is going to happen. You're physically seeing change. And if you're not seeing the change and feeling the change already, then open your fucking eyes. Maybe I'll go buy you a pair of prescription glasses. Change is being felt. Change would have never even been a thing with Vince McMahon in charge, ever. Nobody even thought that this day would come. We'd be, I'd be sitting here doing this fucking show at 75 years old and Vince would still be in the fucking chair. That's what you wanted? I know I didn't. Now we're at a young age, in our prime, doing what we do. And Vince is out. Triple H is in charge. The vision of NXT is the way everything should have been. Nobody complained about NXT, ever. When was the last time you complained about a black and gold takeover? Never. That's Triple H's vision. You're going to be getting that on the main roster. Can't wait. Been saying it for years. People made fun of me for saying that. Now you're getting it. Where are those people now? Oh, yeah. I was right. I was right for years. Years. I knew it then, and I know it now. I don't give a shit what Triple H said When he was back on that Monday Night Raw in December, when was it? Six years ago? Yeah, we're going to give the fans what they want. When you got Vince and Stephanie and Shane and Triple H in the ring. Triple H was a fucking puppet. He was a puppet then. Standing next to Vince, who was completely in power. He's not going to go against his fucking father-in-law. Now his father-in-law's out. And his father-in-law could be headed to prison. Goodbye. Now Vince McMahon's got to watch WWE Get better than it ever has been, ever, on someone else's watch. I love it. It's fucking fantastic. What happens to Bruce Bridget? What happens to Bruce? I hope he fucking gets fired too. People, people in this community were actually defending Bruce Bridget. I don't know how anybody can defend Bruce Bridget. How could you defend this fucking slob? Sky is one of the reasons for the downfall of this fucking company. It's mini Vince McMahon. It's basically Vince McMahon 2.0. Triple H is in charge. Bruce wasn't really named. Bruce wasn't named when Triple H had his media scrum following the Nashville SummerSlam tryouts. He mentioned everybody but Bruce Pritchard. If that isn't an omen, I don't know what is. Feifel confirmed previous reports that Ed Kosky and Bruce Prichard were largely in control of last Friday's Smackdown. That was the day that Vince McMahon retired. The producers were told that Triple H would at least be the finish guy. It's since been confirmed that Bruce Prichard will remain with the company and be a part of creative for now. For now. This is basically SummerSlam. I said this before, and I think I said this last night. You guys know where I'm coming from. You feel the same way. We're not stupid. SummerSlam was a Vince McMahon show. Vince McMahon wrote and produced and set up SummerSlam. Triple H pretty much was inheriting Vince McMahon's storylines and Vince McMahon's SummerSlam. Triple H was inheriting Bruce Pritchard's SummerSlam. There's nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't mean you can't do subtle changes like we saw on Saturday night. He did his best to fucking make it an enjoyable show. He did his best to give us subtle changes. He did his best to make it as enjoyable for us as possible, given the circumstances. And it ended up being a good show. Not the greatest show of all time. Wasn't the best SummerSlam. Wasn't the best pay-per-view of the entire year. But it did the job. It remained with everybody watching. It gave you a sense of, oh, yeah, change is definitely being felt. Yeah, change is coming. It gave people hope. And gave people a little bit of more uh, of an optimistic feel. That's all we could ask for. Triple H even went on Twitter during the show, and I'm not done yet, and we're just getting started. That's a man who's excited about what's to come, and I'm excited about what that man potentially has in the pipeline. Higher-ups in the WWE we were told last week that Vince would still be available to some degree as he transitions away from the company. I don't, nobody needs Vince McMahon's say or Vince McMahon's opinion. Nobody's asking Vince McMahon for his opinion. Clearly Triple H isn't. He got rid of the fucking LED boards on the on the ring apron. And on the ring posts. Get rid of that shit, man. Lame. Regarding talent reaction, the news of Triple H being in charge of a creative was said to be general excitement. No shit. When it was announced that Pritchard was both heading creative and in an interim position on the talent relations side, There were some concerns among talent that they had to ask the person that handled their creative time off if they wanted it. Now, Triple H is in that role, but the thing is, Triple H is beloved by the the roster, and Bruce Prichard, not so much. Not so much. So they don't really mind that Triple H is leading both, and they don't really give a shit. They had a problem when Bruce Prichard was leading both, but I honestly feel if Triple H ran NXT for seven, eight, nine years the way that he did as head of terror relations and head of creative, then there should be no problem with him doing the same thing on the main roster. Now, yes, he did have a cardiac event. Yes, he does have health issues. I do think at some point, Triple H is going to get a team together like he did in NXT, and he's going to appoint somebody that he trusts to fill that talent relations role. Somebody that not only he trusts, but the roster trusts, is going to take that position from him because I do think at the end of the day, him running both may be a little too much for where he is right now health-wise. I do think that he will point somebody that not only he, but the roster trusts, and I do think that he will be 100% strictly focused on creative. That's it. That's the way I see it. Now, I could be wrong, and he could end up running... Both of them until he doesn't want to do either one of them anymore. But I do think that he will choose somebody, hand appoint somebody to take over that head of talent relations role, and he will solely focus on creative. In an update, Fightful heard back from a source at USA Network saying that they were even elated by the news of Vince McMahon stepping down. The source specifically said this is an exciting change, an assessment that is pretty clear. A lot of the fans agree with this sentiment that Vince McMahon being gone is best for business. Obviously, that was just one source, so keep that in mind, but it does seem like almost everyone on the planet is optimistic right now. TV14, we could see a return to TV14 as well. Even though I don't really think TV14 is needed, TV14 isn't needed, but it gives WWE the outlet, if they need it, to stretch just a little bit. I don't think we need TV14. Triple H, of all people, doesn't need TV14. The way Triple H ran NXT... He pushed the envelope very, very, very close to the edge. And I don't think he needs TV-14 to get across what he wants to get across. Because with Triple H in charge, I know it's going to be an adult-themed program. Classy, adult-themed pro wrestling. That's what we're going to get. Sports entertainment's always going to be there. But you will see this man's NXT vision across this roster. you already seen it at SummerSlam with the debut of EO and Dakota Kai. And you're going to start to see it more and more and more once he gets his feet firmly planted into the ground. Dave Meltzer said that Triple H is looking to kind of revamp NXT again and somewhat return NXT to Triple H's previous vision. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I Listen, I, I love black and gold and I, I I will forever love black and gold. Black and gold to me was... The fucking gold standard, the benchmark of all professional wrestling. You're not going to take that away from me. But with Triple H and NXT 2.0, I would be a betting man to say and bet that Triple H also thinks that 2.0 is complete dog shit. We know that Triple H thinks 2.0 is dog shit. Now, are we getting black and gold back? No. I think Melcher got everybody excited for absolutely no reason. Black and gold is dead. Black and gold is not returning. No matter what they do, they will never, ever, ever, ever be able to go back to bring us the black and gold and make it feel like it belongs again. Bruce and Vince fucking killed it. They intentionally killed it for their own personal gain. They wanted nothing to do with NXT. Nothing. They wanted nothing to do with Triple H's vision. They wanted nothing to do with his team. They wanted to cut, 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 cut. They blackballed Triple H, removed his legacy from fucking all historical aspects of WWE. Black and gold was fucking killed. 2.0 was born. They punished Triple H because he failed in the war against AEW. All of this was right before our very eyes. If you guys need any concrete confirmation on that, remember when Braun Breaker won the NXT championship from Tommaso Ciampa? Remember when he destroyed the black and gold logo? Not only in his entrance, during the entrance in the aisleway, but there was a black and gold logo. Not only a styrofoam one, but one on the LED boards where he pulled the chains and the black and gold logo breaks into a thousand pieces because he's Breaker. You think that was anybody on Triple H's team that did that? You think Triple H allowed that on Tuesday night? (laughs) No. That was all Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon. That was a clear-cut sign, a message sent. Every single person that Triple H hired, fired. That was a message sent. We don't want you here anymore. Go and pour me a cup of decaf at Titan Tower and make sure my scone is right this week. I asked for cranberry, not blueberry. Blueberry. That's all Triple H was doing, pushing pencils and filing papers and making sure the curate cake cups were fucking lined up in alphabetical order at Titan Tower. The greatest comeback story in the history of the company is what happened. Vince killed his company. Vince killed Triple H, his vision. That vision is dead. And now Triple H is taking over for the man that we thought was going to die in the chair. What a story, man. You couldn't script a better Hollywood story. Triple H's vision killed, and now his vision is going to overtake Vince McMahon's vision. You killed my vision, now I'm going to make my vision our vision. The right vision, the better vision. The future of the company is my vision. I love it. You cannot script a better fucking story than this. I want to buy a fucking day one ticket, front row to this fucking story. Smiling from ear to ear, man. This was a tragic tale of Paul Levesque that ended with a fucking beautiful, happily ever after ending. Not only for the fucking Levesque family, not only for Stephanie McMahon, Paul Levesque, their children, who will eventually take over this fucking company, but for the fans. For the fans. It's unbelievable. 2.0 will be around. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I I listen, I know, I know, I know black and gold is dead. Black and gold's not coming back. But if Triple H wants to go out there and give me doses of what made black and gold fun, doses of what made black and gold great. I'm okay with that. Get rid of the fucking colors. Let's man up the colors a little bit, man. Instead of the fucking goddamn fruit loop, two can sam fucking cereal colors. Instead of the fucking uh, Disney Junior colors out there, Nickelodeon colors, let's get some pro wrestling colors, man. Let's get some theme music change. Let's get some fucking ambiance that re- resembles a pro wrestling show. I don't mind 2.0 staying. In fact, I wish that they would get rid of the 2.0. Just call it NXT. What do we need NXT 2.0 for? Call it NXT. But the vision of Triple H, if it's... A little dose here, a little dose there. I'm fine with that. And like I said earlier in the week, change. You saw the picture floating around on social media. Triple H sitting in at the Nashville SummerSlam tryouts with Paul Heyman and Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan, who's on board with this. He's sitting there watching the future of the company try out in front of them. Paul Heyman right there as his right-hand man. Who better? Who better? Who better? Change. That picture that you saw floating around before SummerSlam this weekend is the very definition of change. And Triple H, he's not only going to be enlisting college athletes with the NIL program, which I think is a complete fucking farce. The NIL program is going to be a thing in the company. They want their cheerleaders. They want their, their, their lacrosse players, their fucking amateur wrestlers. They want their football players, their WNBA players. They want their ex-UFC fighters fine. They want their next WrestleMania main event superstar to come from the NIL program. All they need is one, no matter who it is. If it's Gable Stevenson, so be it. They want their one so they can say, yep, yeah, it's a success. It's not. The NIL program, to me, is going to be an investment that may not pay off. The NIL program may not pay off. See, Triple H, he had it right the first time. We're going to go and do what we need to do and go grab the lifeblood of this business through the indies. I don't know why they ever moved away from that. See, Triple H and his vision, it was always the right way. We're going to go into the indies and grab the fucking lifeblood of this industry and we're going to mold them into the next superstar. There's got to be somebody in there that's going to be the next WrestleMania superstar that we're looking for. The next WrestleMania main event. There was, they fired them all, but there was, and there still is out there. See, when Vince was removed, Triple H, he now is putting his foot down. We are going to hire independent professional wrestlers. It needs to be done. The Indies, basically, is going to provide WWE a stable environment. You're going to find somebody in there that's going to be of the ultimate value to you. The NIL program, you could wait five, six, seven years for somebody to even come along and be ready for NXT, never mind WrestleMania. How many of the NIL college athletes out there are going to make it through the program? All I'm hearing is that there's injuries here, there's injuries there. It's not going well right now for a bunch of them. It's not a walk in the fucking park. It's going to be a timely investment. Patience is going to be one of those things that is going to be needed here. But in the meantime, you not going out and getting somebody or somebody from a from, uh, GCW or, or an MLW or the indies overseas is going to be a fucking foolish mistake. You need to go out there and get the top tier indie pro wrestlers that exist out there. Now, with Vince McMahon not there, they are more likely to want to be a part of the WWE system. They're going to want to work with Triple H, seeing his resume and what he did for everybody else that now seemingly is working for AEW. They heard all the great things about what Triple H did. They heard all the great things about NXT and the way he managed his roster and the way he managed the Performance Center. Of course they're going to want to be a part of that. Everybody in NXT now is in good hands. You don't think Triple H heading creative on Monday night and Friday night, you don't think those fucking kids inside the performance center are throwing fucking ticker tape parades over the fact that Vince McMahon is fired or removed? You don't think these people are fucking celebrating? This is a lifetime of fucking misery that was removed on Friday. Careers were ruined. Reputations were ruined. The love of pro wrestling has been killed by Vince McMahon time and time and time again. That performance center better be throwing fucking parades as far as I'm concerned. For the first time in NXT's existence, we now have somebody in charge that will take care of everyone coming up from NXT. We now have someone in charge that will set forth a plan for an NXT call-up. Santos Escobar, he's in good hands. Two weeks ago, Santos Escobar getting called up to the main roster. He'd be chasing Tozawa for the 24-7 title. Or, he, or he, he'd he end up like Angel Garza. How about that? Angel Garza. Look at him. Humberto Carrillo. Look at them. Dead. Santos Escobar. We don't have to worry about Santos Escobar anymore. What about Tony D'Angelo? Tony D'Angelo is going to get a look. He's in good hands. Braun Breaker. WWE did more damage to Braun Breaker with the Joe Gacy storyline than I could have ever really imagined for Braun Breaker. But he's going to be in good hands, and he's going to have a solid plan underneath him before he gets to the main roster. Carmelo Hayes. We don't got to worry about Carmelo Hayes. Two weeks ago, Maybe we got to worry about Carmelo Hayes because he's not as big as everybody else that Vince McMahon has a fucking infatuation with. And everybody else that falls into that same category, Cameron Grimes or a Nathan Frazier or a Wesley. We don't got to worry about guys like that no more. We don't got to worry about E.O. Shirai on the main roster anymore. We don't got to worry about Dakota Kai on the main roster anymore. They have a safety net. That safety net is Paul Levesque. You as fans don't have to worry about investing your time in NXT anymore. I'm here to tell you that if you want to watch NXT, by all means, go and watch NXT. Watching NXT as a fan now, you're not wasting your time. You're watching the future of the company go out there and perform on Tuesday night. Now... I want you to start thinking, I want everybody to start thinking that you're watching NXT on Tuesday night, you're getting what you're getting on Tuesday, and you're getting what you're going to get on Tuesday on the main roster. Why? Because Paul Levesque is in charge. Two weeks ago, that's not the mentality in this company. People are going to be a little bit more open to working with WWE, people are going to be a little bit more open as far as fans are concerned to watch the show on Tuesday night because now they know that with this man in charge, your time is not going to be wasted anymore. How much time did we waste to see all these NXT guys get called up to the main roster and then waste away? Ricochet and Angel Garza and everybody else that's ultimately got fired from the company. Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, all, all these guys. Every single one of them. Io Shirai. How much time was wasted watching all of these men and women absolutely fucking have their best performances ever under Triple H, only to be wasted or fired? You don't have to worry about that anymore. So if they go back to somewhat of NXT, I'm okay with that. You're not getting black and gold back. Whatever Paul Levesque wants to do, he's going to do with NXT And now I can firmly tell you guys, I can confidently tell you guys, Bruce Pritchard's not in charge anymore. Shawn Michaels, correct me if I'm wrong, and I said this on Tuesday when I covered NXT, I don't know if Shawn Michaels is still running NXT UK. I know when Triple H was running NXT Black and Gold that Shawn Michaels was running NXT UK. Now it may be somebody else running NXT UK, and Shawn Michaels is running NXT. I can confidently say now, because it wasn't the case then, Bruce Pritchard was running the show Shawn Michaels may be running NXT. Shawn Michaels is a part of Triple H's team. Shawn Michaels is running NXT with Triple H being the final say. You're going to see changes in NXT. It may not be apparent right now, but when he gets to it, you're going to see changes. And the changes have already begun with him sitting in at the Nashville SummerSlam tryouts and the fact that with Vince McMahon out, You don't have to worry about NXT call-ups anymore. They have their safety net, and that safety net is Paul Levesque. Triple H, is he going to go to war with AEW now that he's head of creative with WWE? I hate this, this topic of conversation. I hate it. Meltzer talked about this and analyzed this situation and revealed he believes Triple H running the show will only make things heat up. AEW has their own problem. They should not be worrying about what Paul Levesque is doing on Monday or Friday night. AEW needs their fucking top tier talent back. And I mean, Brian's back as of Wednesday. We need Omega back. We need Punk back. We need MJF back. We need Adam Cole back. AEW is not as hot this summer as they were last summer. Anybody watching the show can honestly see that. If you don't, I think you need to fucking clean your eyes out. MJF being out is a major blow. CM Punk breaking his foot is a major blow. Brian being out two months was a major blow. He's back as of Wednesday in a tremendous match with Daniel Garcia. Kenny Omega being out all year, tremendous blow. Adam Cole being injured, not working 100%, pushing himself to work because he didn't want to miss forbidden door, tremendous blow. Tony Khan needs his soldiers, his top soldiers, his elite soldiers back. Will the ratings go up when all of those names are back on television? You'd like to think so. I do know that when MJF gets back and we resume the CM Punk storyline that I do think ratings will go back up. I do think Kenny Omega being back, ratings will go back up. But AEW is not as hot as they were last summer. And last summer was one of the best wrestling summers I think I've ever experienced. The first dance, CM Punk coming back, going into All Out where we saw Sam Punk wrestled Darby and Adam Cole come back and Brian Danielson, and then goes into Queens and and Grand Slam with that Omega and Brian Danielson match. I mean, you, you you can't you can't replicate that. They weren't going to replicate that this year, even at full strength. But they've noticeably took a dip in quality. Is it completely their fault? No, they're dealing with injuries right now, just like every sports team deals with injuries at any given moment all year long. We don't see fucking pro wrestlers, you know, go out there having part time schedules. We don't see pro wrestlers going out there operating under a certain days per year schedule like the NBA. This is a 52 week schedule. They wrestle every week, they don't have an offseason. So the amount of injuries that have piled up, AEW has suffered them tremendously all at the same time. It's terrible. But if you go back and look at last year compared to this year, you'll notice a dip in overall quality. And I'm sure if you look at the numbers week over week, year over year, you're going to notice a dip in the ratings as well. Clearly. Now it's going to be another problem for AEW when they go and talk TV rights deals. When they have to talk about, oh my God, when when their TV rights deals are going to be up in 2024, you know they're going to be negotiating at some point next year. The negotiations are going to be there next year. Tony Khan, to me, is going to get a TV rights deal. He's going to get an extension, whether that's with Warner Media or someone else. Somebody will be housing AEW television. Will they be getting the amount of money that they think they deserve? I don't know. I don't know. Because I know if you look at the year-over-year numbers compared to last year and this year, they do have an excuse, but I don't think the networks are going to really want to hear excuses. They're going to hear, well, why are you down this year compared to last year when you got the same roster? What's going on? here? I don't know how much money they're going to get in TV rights deals. Rampage. I don't know, man. I don't know what you guys think of Rampage, but the show fucking sucks. Rampage is not where it needs to be. Rampage should theoretically be the B show of AEW and it should be two hours. They wanted additional AEW program programming. I think Rampage needs to be two hours. It needs to be on a Thursday or a Tuesday. It, it, it needs to be on a Thursday, realistically, following Dynamite. And we need to get that at a prime time spot, two hours. Two hours of AEW on Wednesday, two hours of AEW on Thursday, and that is it. Then you got the dark shows on Monday and Tuesday. You got your week covered, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, with AEW program. It needs to be live every week. Enough of these tape shows, enough of the spoilers leaking out on Wednesday before we get to Friday. It's not going to really get people to watch the show when they already know what the fuck is going on. No major storylines take place on Friday. It's just another additional hour of AEW television that means nothing in the grand scheme of things. Nothing. So they're running to rampage it down. That's their own, that's another fucking problem. But Warner Media is going to be looking at that as well. So a war with Triple H is the least of their concerns. But I do hope for one thing. Meltzer says this, and I quote, I think that the AEW versus WWE feud is going to heat up. If it was up to AEW, they would mind their own business and all that, but that never worked with Vince, although Vince had kind of stayed away from that. And this time with Paul Levesque and Stephanie there and Nick Khan running the show, the people who thought... They were only going to be interested in their own stuff. And the bottom line is, you were wrong. If you ever talk to anybody near the top of WWE about AEW, it's just like, it's almost like I used to talk to Vince about WCW. It's almost the same in so many ways. It's actually very much the same. I just remember, and everyone knows these stories about Vince. He took all the talent from Vern Ganya and all those other people from all the territories. When he started the company, when he started WWE, and in the 90s, Eric Bischoff, Lord Hogan, and Savage, and Piper, and all these guys, Nash haul away from Vince by offering more money, which is what Vince did. And Vince was just crying foul. They're offering more money for our talent that we created. It's like, Vince, isn't that what you did to the territories? He couldn't fathom it. In this, it's like Tony Khan started a company from scratch and everything. He's done pretty well. And it's just like from WWE, yeah. He didn't have the money the first year. We have the money to obviously keep the company afloat. We have to make the money. We have to turn the profit. And it's like you've got $600 million in guaranteed TV deals. A monkey could turn profit with your TV deals. He actually has to work to turn a profit, does Tony Khan. And it's just not like the whole idea of him. It's amazing what you hear. And this, running NXT against All Out is the move and We're probably going to have a lot of moves from this point on. And I think some talent, when their contracts are up on both sides, especially if AEW gets a good TV renewal, if they don't, it may not be as much. But if they get a good TV deal, WWE obviously has hundreds of millions in profit. So they're going to be wrestlers out there. They're going to be top wrestlers out there that are going to get a lot of money off the contract renewals of both WWE or AEW. I know the thing is for the wrestlers, both companies when they sign these guys, are going to want to sign guys for five years or maybe longer. Maybe even in some cases seven years. And there might even be some guys WWE sign up to ten years in some cases. But mostly fives. I think Owens was three. But I would tell any wrestler right now who's under contract and the contract's coming due, if you're good and you have the confidence, fight for hell to sign a two-year deal. You're not going to want to get less than two. But if it's five, beg for three, because if you're a good wrestler, the more your deal comes up, the more you're going to be able to escalate your salary unless AEW is out of business, which I don't expect to have happen, obviously. Listen, man, I, I don't I don't care what they do. From me to everybody here, Tony Khan's problem and issue should not be with WWE and Triple H and his issue and his problem should not be with Tony Khan. I want Tony Khan to take this, and we saw it on Wednesday already with Dynamite. All the news about Triple H taking over Creative, he's already, he's already gone out there on Sirius XM on Busted Open Radio, already saying, what's the difference? It doesn't matter who's in charge of talent relations or who's in charge of creative. I don't like to hear the whispers of, oh, I got these guys on the contract and they're automatically gonna go jump ship because of Triple H being in charge of creative all because they were successful under a past administration. Tony Khan found that to be very disrespectful. It's almost as if the fans were kind of throwing shade at Tony Khan because he isn't using them as good as Triple H used them when they were under Triple H's administration. He found that to be disrespectful, and it is disrespectful. I'm guilty of that. But I only brought her, I never said any of those names were going to jump ship. I always said, It was those names that weren't contractually obligated to AEW. When Adam Cole's contract is up, he may seek different opportunities. When Malachi's contract is up, he may seek different opportunities. Tony Khan went out there and said, well, Adam Cole signed for the next seven years. Malachi's on AEW's payroll for the next five years. They ain't going anywhere. Where the fuck fuck are they going? I have them locked in. Good luck with that. That's a fire that was lit under Tony Khan because it angered him. An angry Tony Khan is the Tony Khan that we want. An angry Tony Khan is the Tony Khan that gave us dynamite on Wednesday, that not only gave us a great dynamite, listened to the fans' criticism of the week prior, and gave us a show that built Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Hook, and Daniel Garcia. Talents that he knows is going to be the future of this business. Now, was that happenstance? I don't know. Was that the plan from the get-go? I don't know. But the focus on young talent, to me, wasn't a coincidence on Wednesday. That was Tony Khan saying, I need to get my ass in motion, and I need to take advantage of my top guys being out to push the next guys that are going to fall in line when those top guys come back, and my roster is going to be better than ever when everybody cohesively comes together. A Tony Khan that was angry coming out of Monday, going into Wednesday, that's the Tony Khan that we want. And I say this because when Tony Khan is like that, he's at the top of his game. All Out is going to be tremendous because of everybody's talking about Triple H. You think Tony Khan wants that? You think Tony Khan wants to be won up by Triple H because everybody adores Triple H? No. This is going to make AEW better. And the better AEW is, the more attractive AEW is, the more at risk WWE is losing some of their guys to AEW. Now, yes, they do have a bloated roster. They do have a bloated roster. That is their problem. But without that bloated roster, AEW right now would be worse off than it is. So it kind of worked in their favor. But they do have a, a roster problem because... You can't give TV time to everybody with two hours of dynamite and one hour of rampage. There are people complaining online that don't have TV time. Oh, I'm getting pushed to the side, this and that. I've been sitting on the sidelines for far too long. That's going to come and that's going to fix itself when AEW has more TV time to give. Right now, they don't. Right now, it's dark and dark elevation and rampage and dynamite. You got three hours of weekly primetime television. That is all you got. Maybe under a new TV rights deal, Time Warner and Warner Media gives them more hours, gives them another show, gives Rampage an extra hour, has Rampage go live. Then at that point, then we can get more people on TV and give them more opportunities. But I don't give a shit about a Triple H versus Tony Khan or a Tony Khan versus Triple H war. I don't want that. Us as fans don't need that because we're going to watch from the sidelines. We're going to watch Triple H make the WWE better. And because the WWE is getting better and Triple H has this fucking thing about him that everybody loves. Everybody loved NXT. Everybody loved the black and gold. And everybody's expecting Triple H to bring the black and gold mentality and the vision to the main roster. Tony Khan is not going to let that happen without having a fucking piece of the pie. If Triple H is making WWE better, you better fucking believe Tony Khan is going to be on top of his game. And he's going to go out there and give you the best he's got. You think Tony Khan doesn't have shit up his sleeve right now? What do you expect Tony Khan to do when all of his major players are out with injury, unfortunately, at the same time? He had to rewrite plans. He had to put plans that were already in place on stop. Triple H now coming into play and getting more power behind the pen and creatively booking Monday night and Friday night. You don't think Tony Khan's going to step up his game? Because of this, you're going to get a better WWE, and because of this, you're going to get a better AEW. Why is that Why is that bad, and why do we need to use terms like, oh, we're getting a WWE versus AEW war? I don't want that. I don't give a fuck about that. I don't want them going to war, one-upping each other, taking petty shots at one another. I don't want that. I don't need that. We don't need that. We are going to get top tier WWE programming and we're going to get top tier AEW programming, and that's all we need. That's all we want. We win. We, the fans, win. And Tony Khan and Triple H are making money and having a blast doing it. If they can give us what their vision is, we win. That's all that needs to be said there. We don't need a war. This isn't Vince McMahon being petty. This isn't Bruce Prichard being petty. Triple H never acknowledged AEW anyway when he was running NXT. Never. He only tried to put on the best show possible. Triple H is the type of guy. Yes, this is not uh, earlier Triple H or younger Triple H. You know, Triple H was very known for taking pot shots at people. I don't think this executive Triple H is even going to acknowledge anything because he usually just lets his fucking creative speak. That's the vision that Triple H really has kind of developed for himself. The reputation that Triple H has developed for himself. He's going to let his creatives be. He doesn't need to have anybody go on live TV mentioning the other show or mentioning AEW indirectly or taking a cheap shot at something that happened on Dynamite. That's not Triple H's game. It never was. He never needed to do that under the black and gold. You want to know why? Because the black and gold stood on its own as the best promotion in the world. He knew that. We knew that. Everybody knew that. He let the in-ring product speak for itself. And that's great, because Tony Khan's going to use that as fuel for himself, and he's going to say, well, everybody's talking about this. I'm going to show them what I am made of and what I can do as well. Fuck the war. The war doesn't need to be. The fans are going to benefit from this, no matter how you look at it. Guys, let me check the chat. We got 2,500 in the venue. Thank you guys very much for all your support. Hit that thumbs up. Continue to hit that thumbs up. We got 1,100 likes, man. Can we get 1,500 minimum on tonight's OTS 438? Six new members in the chat. Thank you guys very much. Continue to join the VIP section. And the Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show like we usually do, and go over the Super Chats with our cold beverages. Vince McMahon was being filtered to present to prevent insensitive and offensive content from airing on WWE TV. Maybe that would have been better. Maybe they should have sent all the ideas that Vince McMahon came up with out there on television. Maybe it would have been a better show if it was offensive and insensitive. But Feifel is reporting that Vince McMahon and... His mind, his mindset paints a clear picture of the creative scene with him in charge. They heard from many people within the creative process who said that many of the creative writers assistants effectively needed to filter McMahon themselves in some way as the assistants often had to know what not to write for McMahon while taking notes from him. It was said the minutes are heavily edited. This was to say, uh, this was said To be largely the case for a long time, it ranged from Vince saying things that would appear insensitive or offensive to, oh God, what did he just say? Moments and simple kayfabe things. The report noted that some of the stories included McMahon constantly calling people the wrong names or using terms that weren't socially acceptable and that even he himself would never have allowed on television. One former uh, production employee was quoted stating that if a live feed of Vince McMahon on headset gave you any insights about what the picture of production would be, especially the announcers, there were plenty of good times, he was in a good mood, but he would blob with the most ridiculous things and act like they ruined an angle far past its expiration date anyway. So he's pretty much saying that if you listen to a live feed of Vince McMahon on headset on any given night, if that ever made it out, it would paint a picture of the production experience, especially... For the announcers. And I highlight the announcers because you guys heard at SummerSlam last night, Michael Cole, and I said this a couple of times. I said it on Twitter and I said it on my post show last night. If you guys want to go check it out, it's on the homepage. Michael Cole had his best main roster assignment ever. Michael Cole and Corey Graves felt free. They sounded free as a bird especially during that Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns last man standing match, Michael Cole sounded tremendous on the microphone. He was going back and forth with Corey Graves during the Pat McAfee match. I believe something was said along the lines of, I I think Corey Graves said something along the lines of, uh, I, I, I wish I could go back to when you didn't have an opinion. And the Michael Cole said, well, let me tell you something. Things are a lot different around here. They are a lot different. Clearly a shoot live on air saying that things are different. Vince McMahon's not there. I can now actually have a fucking opinion about what's going on. And I don't need to have a 77 year old man in my headset screaming that I didn't use a fucking keyword like WWE universe or stupendous on fucking commentary. At one point, Michael Cole mentioned WWE fans. Fans! Somewhere in Stanford, Connecticut, Vince had a stroke. He mentioned WWE fans during the Lesnar and Roman Reigns match when they went into the WWE universe. Change. Change. Now, I'm assuming with Triple H and what he said, they're going to try and uphold the legacy of what Vince McMahon created Certain keywords like that probably will still continue to make it on TV. WWE Universe and all that other shit. You're not going to hear WWE fans a lot. That was basically something that, you know, Michael Cole couldn't wait to get out because he's been fucking suppressed for so many years about saying WWE Universe and not saying WWE fans. But he was tremendous. Michael Cole, Corey Graves was tremendous. You know, I I still don't really enjoy uh, Jimmy Smith on commentary. I don't think he's got the voice for it, but... You know, some people may enjoy his work. Listen, he's better than Adnan Virk. So I I guess we got the better end of the deal. But the commentary, more organic, more natural, things like that. They're allowed to be humans. I can't begin to tell you how fucking important that is. After asking people working in or near creative about what they can expect as far as change from McMahon, now to Triple H being the head of creative, one person specifically said "Recall." Of what we have and haven't done repeatedly. There were so many things that Vince insisted on doing that I'm pretty sure he didn't remember doing over and over and over again, even when people would tell him. Vince would put out matches that we saw over and over and over again, realizing, or without realizing, I should say, he did it without realizing that we did it two weeks ago, three weeks ago in a row. Vince would do rematches over and over again without thinking or realizing he's done it already. That, to me, is so dangerous. That, to me, is one of the things that I can't wait to see changed. Rematches happening on a weekly basis, championship contenders matches, those little things. You know, those, it it may not be important to you, but Jesus fucking Christ is important to me. Watching a television show, watching a competitive sport, like pro wrestling, championship contenders. Yeah, let's send our champion to lose a championship contender non-title match only to get the challenger a title match at the pay-per-view. Yeah, some way to build your champion up as formidable and some way to build your fucking championship up as, oh my God, everybody wants this championship. You're basically showing everybody that the title doesn't mean shit and your champion is a loser. Who would want that? Triple H is not going to give us that. Triple H never did that in NXT. Never. I could maybe, maybe there's one or two accounts in seven years. Never will you see Triple H take a champion, put them in a non-title match and have them lose only to get the challenger or a pay-per-view title match. Divisions will be set forth, challengers will be set and wins and losses will matter. Build, pay-per-view build will be a thing again. I love it. Liv Morgan, she said this on Vince McMahon's exit from WWE. We were all shocked, and it felt sudden. She asked, or she was asked, about Triple H taking over creative, and she said this, and I quote, We all owe so much to Vince. We were all shocked, and it felt sudden. So if he felt like it was time, then it was time to step away. We're also excited to be working with Stephanie and Nick Khan, Stephanie was born into the business, so there's literally no one better for the job than her. We're all so excited, and we're just ready to go to work. We're all just ready to take it to the next level. Everybody feels that same way. I don't know why I threw that in there, but I felt like it was important to just get the point across. Change. Change. Top free agent. More than likely to sign with WWE now that Triple H is in charge. Fightful Select had a report that many wrestlers said they think they'd actually still be with WWE if Triple H had been in charge from the very beginning. This also was noted in Fightful and their Select report. They stated that a top free agent who currently has a lot of options told Fightful the possibility of them returning to WWE is now greatly increased with Triple H leading creative and Stephanie McMahon as co-CEO and chairwoman. Of course, the report did not reveal. Who the free agent is? <laughs> Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano. That is the name. You want who the top free agent is? It's Johnny Gargano. If it's not Johnny Gargano, it could be Bray Wyatt. But I do think that it's Johnny Gargano because they specifically named Triple H leading creative and Stephanie McMahon being the CEO and chairwoman of the company. One name that has been heavily speculated is Johnny Wrestling. WWE always wanted to keep Gargano before he left in December and had made him a great offer to resign at the time of his walking away. He decided it was necessary to take time off ahead of the birth of his child with Candace LeRae. There's been a lot of talk recently that he's getting ready to make his return imminently. Of course, though, that's just speculation, and it could be anybody. It could be Bray Wyatt. It could be Braun Strowman. It could be Johnny Gargano. It could be Killer Cross. Killer Cross is another one. I uh, And I used him as an example. Killer Cross is a free agent. Killer Cross is obviously working Indies. He's doing MLW. He's doing his own thing. He's working House of Glory. I can't wait to see Killer Cross in House of Glory. Tremendous talent is Killer Cross. Such an unbelievable talent with Scarlett. The, pe- the presentation, the package was fucking unbelievable. What Triple H did was great. Whether you like him or not, if you enjoy him or think he's boring, you gotta admit, whatever role that Triple H gave him, he fucking killed it. The body language and the, 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 the whole promo uh, projection of Cross, the way he just emits emotion, you can't teach that shit. You can't. And him being back in WWE, given a second chance after they absolutely demolished him, killed him, they made him to a fucking... Ninja Turtle character. It's gonna be great. He's definitely somebody I see coming back. Johnny's coming back. Uh, this is just me speaking personally. Johnny's coming back. LaCross is coming back. We may see Johnny's wife Candice LeRae come back. We may see she has. Imagine Candice LeRae on the main roster with a veteran fucking presence there. Ageism out the window. That was a big Vince McMahon thing. Not hiring somebody or not bringing somebody back for their age. Firing somebody because of ageism. They fired Tyre Valkyrie because she's 37 years old. Wow. Wow. You mean to tell me that Tyre Valkyrie could not be a valuable asset to the company in that women's division? It's unbelievable. All that shit, that mentality is fucking gone. Gone. I see Candice LeRae coming back. I see Johnny Gargano coming back. I see Cross coming back. I see... Bray Wyatt coming back. I've been saying this for months. I see Scarlett coming back with Killer Cross. Yes. You think Triple H? Triple H probably lost sleep over all of that. Triple H probably lost sleep every night, turning over and looking at Stephanie as they laid in bed together. Honey, what is your father doing? Why does your father hate me? Why does your father ruin everything that I put my fingerprints on? Was there a reason to kill Killer Cross? Did they need to take Scarlett away from Karrion Cross? She sang his fucking theme music and they sent him out there without his wife. He was NXT champion when he made his debut on Monday night. And Vince had him lose to Jeff Hardy in 90 seconds. Why, honey? Why? Can you please give me a fucking answer as to why? I haven't slept in seven months. You don't think this man lost sleep? Over these nonsensical fucking misfires by Vince McMahon? Absolutely disgraceful. Disgraceful. And that's not the only one that Triple H lost sleep over. Malachi fired. Keith Lee fired. Honey, Steph, why did Vince put bear claws on Keith Lee? Why did he go from Bear Cat? Why did why why did they why did they eliminate Limitless? Why did they transform into Bearcat? I'm not running the Bronx Zoo. I'm running WWE. He lost sleep overall. Andrade. Andrade being split from Zelina. All this. Santos Escobar. Imagine imagine calling Santos Escobar up to the main roster and having him waste away in catering. Or all of Legato Del Fantasma. Waste away in catering. Ricochet. Honey, why is Ricochet a loser? Steph. At at dinner. Steph, why is Ricochet a loser? Why is Ricochet losing every week? Why did they change Ricochet's theme? Why is Ricochet the intercontinental champion and still being presented as a loser? Steph, Steph, why? This man probably fucking cried while Stephanie was at the office. Every morning. Over his bowl of cereal and his cup of fucking Folgers coffee. Disgusting. I see Bray Wyatt coming back. I said this for weeks, months. Bray Wyatt is coming back to the WWE. No doubt about it. Sasha Banks and Naomi. I was the one saying, well, Sasha's done. If Vince was still there, Sasha's done. You can guarantee. They just said that Dakota Kai was a priority. Dakota Kai was a priority for Triple H to bring her back. You don't think Sasha Banks is a priority for Paul Levesque? Number one priority there. It was only Dakota Kai that was readily available right now, as I'm sure Sasha Banks and her lawyers are still ongoing about what the future holds for Sasha Banks. She will be back. Naomi will be back. Naomi, preferably, should be in the bloodline. Naomi brought back and placed in the bloodline, and that is the way to go there. That's what I think should happen. Johnny Gargano is absolutely going to be back in the WWE. Maybe we get DIY back together. Maybe we get DIY in the tag team division. Take my fucking money, man. Take it. I'd love to see it. But yes, Johnny Gargano is the name here that I think Fightful is alluding to. Now, this is obviously all speculation, but that's just my opinion. So we'll see what happens. We can see Braun Strowman come back. You know, I don't want to mention any, you know, anybody on AEW side just for... Uh, the sake of not being disrespectful to Tony Khan, whoever, whoever else is out there and is not currently available or who, who, who is who is available on the indies, Triple H, if they work for Triple H on NXT, they will be given a phone call. If they had high standing with Triple H, they will be given a phone call. No doubt about it. So yes, they are attempting to bring back Sasha Banks. Meltzer even talked about Sasha Banks on the Sports Illustrated media podcast. So this is big time for Dave Meltzer on Sports Illustrated. It's kind of up in the air. They're gone, Meltzer said. The last I heard was that there would be attempts to reconcile, especially with Vince Gahn. so it's up in the air. I don't think there's anything definitive just yet. So there there will be discussions. You you can guarantee, if it's not Paul Levesque, Paul Levesque was, was a part of bringing... Sting into the WWE, Bruno San Martino, Scott Steiner, I'm assuming, reconciled with Triple H, right? Something had to be said there with Triple H and Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner always made fun of the Hall of Fame is imaginary. I don't give a shit if it's on the fucking moon. If I can't walk into Hall of Fame, it doesn't exist. He reconciled with the ultimate warrior of all fucking people. Triple H reconciled with a lot of different talent to come on back to the WWE, welcome them back into the WWE family, and he's going to do the same for Sasha Banks. It's going to be awesome. I do think that they both end up back there, Sasha and Naomi. But Melcher did say, yes, there will be attempts made to reconcile with Mercedes and Naomi. Now, as far as Triple H is concerned, and him being in control... A new report revealed that many former WWE talent believe that they would still be with the company if Triple H had been in control. This is from Fightful. Kind of piggybacking off of their top free agent story. Fightful reported that several former WWE stars who left for a variety of reasons believe things would have been different for, for them if Triple H was still in power. The majority of NXT talent that have been released believe that had Triple H been in those roles from the beginning they would not have been released. Some of these talent were realistic with the fact they weren't being utilized or progressing fast enough before their cut. Another former NXT star that had options within WWE before signing elsewhere said they felt an incredible sense of loyalty to Triple H and had he been the person in charge of their creative future, things would be different. Another AEW talent that ended up signing with AEW said they had no confidence in being creatively satisfied on the WWE main roster before leaving the company. This AEW star who remained anonymous said, and I quote, I'm glad that I went to AEW, but if I was graduating to a Triple H-led SmackDown or Raw, I probably would have re-signed with WWE before my deal was up. Another top free agent noted that Triple H and Stephanie McMahon being in their positions greatly increased the possibility of them returning to the company. There will be people... In AEW, who have contracts up, that we'll look at the landscape of WWE. That we'll look at the landscape now that Cody Rhodes is there, and he was treated good from the start, and he will continue to be treated good with Triple H in charge. They will look at the landscape in WWE, and there will be defections. It is natural for business. It is good for business. This frees up spots on AEW's roster. For people that aren't really receiving opportunity. If people go to WWE, fine. AEW's roster is bloated, says the Geeks Online, as it is right now. It frees up spots to get people back on television that haven't been given opportunity. If people from AEW want to go to WWE, great. The one thing that we desired for decades was WWE's television product being freshened up with new faces. How many times have we complained? about WWE television being the same shit week in and week out. If we get some of that AEW feel on Monday or Friday night with a couple of talent that don't want to stay with AEW and opt to go to WWE because Triple H is there, great. Great. As long as I'm satisfied as a fan from the television product that we get, the fuck do I care who goes where, what money they make, and if they're happy, that's all that matters. Who gives a shit? WWE will be fine. AEW will be fine. There's always going to be a reversal of talent. People are going to go to AEW. People are going to want to go to WWE. People's contracts will be up. They'll wear their options. Whatever they choose, fine. It's none of our business. Wrestling is so vast and so deep. The constant in and out reshuffling of talent is great. For everybody that AEW loses to WWE, we got a Nick Wayne waiting in the wing, 17 years old, signed to AEW. We got people that I'm sure are being scouted by Tony Khan already and his team already. We got people developing, hopefully at a nice pace, within the Nightmare Factory. We got people developing at a nice pace inside the WWE Performance Center. Things are going to happen. This is a constant thing, week in and week out, day in and day out in pro wrestling. Nothing is ever the same on any given day. That's great. Keeps everybody on their toes. It keeps us on our toes. It gives us content to talk about on the weekly basis. I love it. Why would anybody be upset about this? It's going to happen. So you might as well get used to it now. We got Vince McMahon and some of the Wall Street Journal things that happened this week. Quickly before we get on to the uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Friday night news and rumors, we got a Wall Street Journal article reports that WWE investigations hastened Vince McMahon's decision to retire. So on July 22nd, the greatest day in the history of pro wrestling, the greatest day in WWE history, Vince retired. From CEO, from creative, chairman of the board, 77 years old, gone, goodbye. This followed the WWE's board of directors investigating sexual misconduct allegations against McMahon, which began in April. In a, in a new article from the Wall Street Journal, it was revealed that new federal investigations into McMahon's hush-packed allegations led to his decision to retire. Oh, really? Now, it had nothing to do with what is still yet to come. He knew that he was floating up Shits Creek before Shits Creek got overflowed. That's exactly why he was forced to step down and retire. You think Vince McMahon woke up one day in his fucking Titan Tower condominium on the fucking penthouse floor? Yeah, yeah, I think I'll take today and fucking retire. I, yeah, I had enough. Yeah, it's yeah, so long for WWE. I think I, I did all I could do. Give me a break. New federal investigations into the deepening hush money scandal. Enveloping World Wrestling Entertainment hastened the retirement of its chief executive, Vince McMahon, according to people familiar with the matter. The Securities and Exchange Commission and federal prosecutors have launched inquiries into payments made by Mr. McMahon to settle allegations of sexual misconduct. The media company said Monday that it had received regulatory investigative and enforcement inquiries, subpoenas or demands in connection with the millions of dollars In hush money packs, there was a preliminary determination that $14.6 million in payments by Vince McMahon should have been recorded as company expenses. That was the big news story that came out that pretty much forced Vince McMahon to step down. 14.6, I'm sure it's not the end of the road. I'm sure there are many more millions that have not been accounted for. And Vince could very well end up going to prison. So we will see what happens with that. But it all should have been recorded as company money. It was not. And Vince McMahon basically with the report was from the findings of the board of directors. It was years ended December 31, 2019, 2020, and 2021, as well as the first quarter of 2022, when it issues its financial statements for the second quarter of 2022. The company is working with the goal of issuing such financial statements by August 9, 2022, but there is no assurance that it will be able to meet this deadline in light of the unrecorded expenses and related facts the company expects to conclude That its internal control over financial reporting was not effective as a result of one or more material weaknesses. The company continues to evaluate the appropriate accounting treatment for the unrecorded expenses as well as its internal control over financial reporting. And its ultimate conclusions on these topics may differ from what the company currently anticipates. Vince McMahon. He's got some fucking balls, man. Got some balls. Money, 15, almost $15 million that should have been recorded as company money. Unbelievable, man. That is the most expensive night out that I've ever seen, ever. But nobody should really be surprised, man. This is not only happening within WWE. Every major corporation has some sleazeball doing the same fucking thing. Doing the same thing. What I am happy about is that all of, his, uh, all of his sly dickhead moves, thinking that he's fucking untouchable and thinking that he's greater than God and holds all the fucking power, all of it caught up to him, and now his company is in the hands of his family who's going to do a better job, and that's the only aspect of the company I give a shit. I don't give a shit how much money they make. I don't give a shit what they fucking do as far as record revenue. Good for them. We don't give a shit about that. We're a part of the audience that gives a shit about what we see on television. None of that matters. None of it. They need to continue putting out good television. And then they'll be able to make more money because that lapsed fan? I can't even begin to tell you, man. If things get back on the right track, WWE will have a bigger audience for it. They will get back some of the people that have gone away. And stopped watching the disenfranchised fan. Because all we wanted was better television. We didn't want television that continued to insult our intelligence every single week. Triple H never insulted our intelligence. So if he continues to do what he promises, and we see it unfold on Monday and Friday, people will be back, ratings will be higher, and the interest will overall grow the company in every aspect of its viewing audience. That's what needs to be done. So Vince McMahon is gone and more allegations I'm assuming will be uncovered in the weeks to come. The upcoming HBO sports story on Vince McMahon is said to be damning with another Wall Street Journal article looming. PW Insider reported that there is more mainstream articles that are coming that have uh, not been made public yet. And there have been attempts made to reach out to even some of the former WWE talents during all of this time period where McMahon... it it, it basically was giving out hush money and all these allegations, they will be brought to light in this HBO sports documentary on Vince McMahon. Wrestling uh, Observer Live, Brian Alvarez, said that he heard rumors about another Wall Street Journal story that could be published as soon as the next couple of weeks, and the HBO sports story is not going to be a good look for Vince. Alvarez says, I will say that there are rumors that the HBO real sports story on Vince is One person used the word damning, and there may be another Wall Street Journal article coming out very soon. They may have gotten ahead of things with this resignation on Friday. WWE is moving forward with Triple H creatively. Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon as co-CEOs, but it's clear that the story of Vince McMahon is not going away anytime soon. And a lot of people are under the belief that it will continue to get worse. WWE is not being sold either. Everybody that thinks the WWE is going to be sold now that Vince McMahon has retired. WWE, per a new report from CNBC, the company isn't currently in sale talks, according to a source familiar with the matter. Now, the stock was up about 9% with the announcement of Vince McMahon retiring. And it remained up. And then it went back down. I think it took, uh, I think it fell six points. After, uh, after the weekend, after the Vince McMahon retirement, it went up 8%, right? I think it was at like $72, $73 per share. Then it went down to like, I think, $67, $68 per share. Why did it go up? A lot of people were asking, well, why did the stock go up? Is everybody uh, really in agreement here and trusting the new administration? Now that Vince McMahon's gone, no. It has nothing to do with Stephanie taking over, Nick Khan taking over, and Triple H running creative. The reason why the stock was up is because a lot of the the shareholders and a lot of people on Wall Street thought that with Vince McMahon retiring, that Vince McMahon was more likely to sell the company now, and people were buying into that aspect, though that was never going to be the case anyway with Vince McMahon. So the stock went up because people thought on Wall Street that Vince now out, that the company was going to be sold uh, imminently, with Vince being out as chairman of the board. On July 25th, WWE announced that Triple H had taken over Creative after the news of Vince's retirement at Triple H taking over, the stock price rose to its highest total in 2019. Vince McMahon has also, by the way, been removed from the Board of Directors and more on the WWE corporate website. So that's that. If anybody wondered or if you guys have stock in the company, WWE stock went up because they thought the company was going to be sold with Vince McMahon retiring and stepping down as chairman of the board. Let's go to AEW news, man. We'll hit AEW. We'll do Friday Night SmackDown, Monday Night Raw. I got news coming out of AEW as it pertains to Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor. We got pay-per-view buys, folks. Pay-per-view buys. Apparently, it looks to have done about 36,000-plus buys, digital and on pay-per-view. About 2,700 digital and almost 9,100 from traditional pay-per-view television. The first show, Supercard of Honor, did 15,500 digital and 3,700 traditional pay-per-view. So the numbers were nearly doubled from Supercard of Honor to Death Before Dishonor. That is tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. So... I don't know. I don't know what Tony Khan has planned for Ring of Honor. I know he's working on a TV rights deal. He wants to get a TV rights deal for Ring of Honor. He's already come out and outwardly said it that Ring of Honor is not going to be a developmental for AEW. It would be no sense for him to do that. He finds that dark and dark elevation are more like, you know, NXT level up or they're like a performance center vibe to them. It's more of a, you know, showcase. a a, a training ground or a breeding ground for AEW. Ring of Honor is not going to be that. He's not paying all this money to purchase Ring of Honor to have it be a developmental show for for, uh, AEW. So he wants it to be a legit brand on its own. He wouldn't have purchased it otherwise. Now, he did purchase the brand because he knew if he didn't, Vince McMahon was going to buy Ring of Honor and WWE was going to buy Ring of Honor, close it down and fucking kill it and use the tape library whenever they seen fit. Tony Khan does not want to use Ring of Honor as a developmental territory. He wants it to have its own dedicated roster. He wants it to have his own dedication, its own dedicated pay, uh, pay-per-view and TV show, however long the show is, I don't know. But he has not announced anything in regards to that, but he continues to say he's working towards that and he feels like something will be done. The next big Ring of Honor show, we don't know. We don't know when that's going to be. It may be piggybacking off of Full gear, I believe, around November. We could see something around October maybe for a Ring of Honor show. We got this one happening happening in July. Uh, we had that one happening in April around WrestleMania. I thought that they were going to piggyback off of all of the major WWE shows. SummerSlam, Survivor Series. We don't know when the next Ring of Honor show is going to be. But I think Tony Khan has developed a good standing with the fans for these Ring of Honor shows that people will be willing to pay to see them. I know I have, and I know many people that I know have, and we've been very, very pleased. He should be very happy with what he's done. So we will see what happens with Ring of Honor, but Death Before Dishonor doubled Supercard of Honor, and Tony Khan has to be very happy about that, and Warner Media has to be very happy about that. The real reason why Jonathan Gresham asked for his release from his AEW Ring of Honor contract has now been revealed. This is according to Fightful Select They shed more light on this situation. Per the report, Gresham met with Tony Khan and others on Saturday at 4 p.m. ahead of Death Before Dishonor's main show starting at 8 p.m. Gresham was reportedly heated and unhappy about his direction and booking of his character. It was noted that while it was agreed upon that the context of the meeting would remain private, much of the locker room and staff could physically hear the conversation. Gresham's frustration reportedly appears to be in the direction of creative with the talent supposedly told that he wasn't able to meet with Tony Khan until hours before the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. The report stated that the general preferred process for the talent relations in AEW is for talent to speak with an AEW coach who would be in contact with Tony Khan. Conversations about booking have to be relayed to Tony himself. Gresham had reportedly spoken with QT Marshall and Sanjay Dutt, a number of times in the week leading up to death before dishonor. Per the report, it was noted that the AEW side believed Gresham came into the meeting with his mind already made up. Gresham reportedly had a vision for his creative direction, which was different from what Tony Khan and Ring of Honor tentatively had planned. Gresham reportedly wasn't in favor of turning heel, even if Ring of Honor had a bigger picture for what was planned with him. It was also noted that the finish of the Ring of Honor World Championship match had been at least hinted to Gresham However, there was nowhere on whether Gresham knew he'd be losing the title before the day of Death Before Dishonor. Jonathan Gresham also reportedly cited his PWI 500 ranking to argue that he should have been booked better by Tony Khan. Jordan Grace, his wife, reacted to the report. I found that to be comical. Jonathan Gresham cited his PWI 500 ranking to argue that he should have been better creatively, been been booked better creatively by Tony Khan. Now, I wonder if Jonathan Gresham gets into a fight with his wife over dinner and they start throwing out PWI top 500 rankings at each other, or they argue over which restaurant they want to go to, or or argue about uh, which bar they want to go to in the evening to go celebrate a momentous occasion do they use PWI 500 rankings to decide on who wins the argument? Are you fucking kidding me? Holy shit. I didn't believe this was a fucking real story. I thought this was a troll. The man actually cited PWI 500 rankings to Tony Khan, a fictional fucking ranking that nobody fucking takes into consideration. It's all about ego anyway. It's only for the marks on social media to fucking argue who's the best pro wrestler in the world. Meanwhile, it's a very subjective topic. You fucking serious. PW Insider confirmed that Feifel's report about Gresham asking for his release on Saturday before Death Before Dishonor was legit. It was clear that Gresham wasn't happy as he made his way to the ring with his match against Claudio. He didn't have his usual costume. He didn't have his mask. He quickly left the ring without Prince Nana. Gresham was reportedly not happy about the way he was booked. PW Insider cited several sources saying that Gresham was not happy about the outcome and that Gresham cursed out Tony Khan. Another story being being shared by talents said that Gresham used his PWI Pro Wrestling Illustrated's PWI 500 ranking as a reason why he should be used better. Gresham has deactivated his personal Twitter account. He was on the Ric Flair show tonight. He was in that Battle Royal. That I saw clips of online before I actually went live with my show. He deactivated his personal Twitter. He deactivated his Terminus promotion account on Twitter. Before his match with Castagnoli. And he asked for his release. There's no confirmation if his release was granted. But it does not look like Tony Khan will be welcoming him back into Ring of Honor. Gresham has not commented publicly. But his wife, Jordan Grace, took to Twitter to shoot down recent reports. Without being specific on what exactly she feels is inaccurate. Or out of context. She says and I quote I promise. That you don't have to believe everything you read online. 95% of dirt sheet news is exaggerated. Completely made up or taken out of context. Same reply from everybody that hears about a story. And then they got a comment on it. It's taken out of context. The dirt sheets are usually wrong. The dirt sheets are usually exaggerating. Part for the course here by Jordan Grace and the reply she gave on social media. Now, I will say this. I said this last week. Now that we got a little bit more clarity on everything, I, I will I want to praise, I wanna praise Jonathan Gresham from the go here, okay? He was upset. The report cited that he was already in the mindset that he made up his mind and he wanted to go. He wanted to walk out. He argued with Tony Khan. He had cursed out Tony Khan. He complained that there was no communication. He complained about creative. He went out there and he had an 11-minute match and he dropped the title to Claudio and he went home right after the match. Let's praise him because he could have easily dropped the fucking title on Tony Khan's desk. He could have walked out with the title and he could have made a fucking bigger scene than was reported But he went out there and dropped the title to Claudio. He did business. He didn't go into business for himself. He did business. He put Claudio over, and he shook his hand at the end of the match, really kind of showcasing, you know, that he's a professional, and he adhered to the code of honor. Let's give him his credit on that. He could have easily said, fuck this shit. I'm out, and I'm taking the goddamn title with me. This is my brand. I don't give a shit who owns it. I carried this shit on my back, and you're doing me dirty. Fuck off. He didn't do that. And that's commendable. And that, oh th- honestly, that to me is of the highest respect. And he should be praised for that. Now, on the other hand, he does come off like a sore loser, in my honest opinion, because he didn't really see the bigger picture. And I don't think it's totally his fault. I think he overreacted. I don't think he sees the bigger picture. He does come off like a sore loser. I think everybody, me included, in the community stated that the right man for the job was Claudio. Could the match have been better? Absolutely. They only went 11 minutes. Could the match have been built up over months? Yes. You thought you, you, you think the fans wanted Claudio to go from WWE to AEW, be on television for four weeks, and then be given his first world championship after four weeks, five weeks? No. That's a story that should have been told over five or six months. And we got it paid off immediately. It could have been a little bit more celebratory. It could have been a little bit more epic for Claudio, but that's not what they did. They didn't have time for that. I think Claudio understands that. I think Tony Khan understands that. I think the fans understand that. The right fans, anyway, the smart fans. Gresham is the only one that didn't understand that. Now, the reason why Claudio was the champion is because Claudio, positioning him at the top of the brand, you're trying to sell this brand to... Warner Media, you're trying to get a TV rights deal for Ring of Honor, Claudio is going to sell your brand better than a Jonathan Gresham. You're not going to get a TV rights deal with Jonathan Gresham as the face of Ring of Honor, as their world champion. You're going to have Claudio Castagnoli in there, the former Cesaro of WWE, world-class professional wrestler that has ties to Ring of Honor, was a WrestleMania superstar, WWE superstar, world-renowned pro wrestler with World Wrestling Entertainment, multiple titles in WWE. That's who you're going to sell to Warner Media. Upon that, Samoa Joe, FTR, Mercedes Martinez, Wheeler Yuta, they got a collection of great champions over there in Ring of Honor. Jonathan Gresham didn't understand that. Jonathan Gresham thought he was bigger than he really was. Jonathan Gresham was throwing around his PWI 500 ranking as far as what Tony Khan should do or not do with him creatively. What the fuck are you doing, bro? It's not a fucking video game, man. This is real life. This is real life. You are contracted to Ring of Honor. You are their world champion. What do you expect from a brand that was purchased by Tony Khan to revive the brand? You don't have a television show. You do what you're asked to do when Ring of Honor is asked to go out there and perform. Tony Khan has struggling times. He has a tough enough time giving people TV time on AEW Dynamite. You want him to give you TV time? Give me a break. Wheeler Yuda. He's the pure champion. He's also in the Blackpool Combat Club. Fine. He's working both shows. Ring of Honor was going to be a brand Wheeler Yuda was going to be a part of anyway. It's just by coincidence he's a part of the Blackpool Combat Club. Samoa Joe. We haven't seen him on AEW television. How many times? Once, twice, three times? He hasn't been there every week. He's been out selling Death Before Dishonor. He's their TV champion. He's going to be affiliated with the Ring of Honor brand. Do you see Samoa Joe complaining about creative? Joe knows his stance. Joe knows where his creative is going to be. You were right in the same camp as Samoa Joe. One complained, one didn't. Why? He didn't grab the bigger picture. He should have remained vigilant and he should have remained patient. Now, was there creative issues? That's on him and Tony Khan. Should he have been told what was going on? Absolutely. There seems to be a miscommunication here. Tony Khan is not talent relations. Tony Khan's the boss. Tony Khan is the end-all, be-all. He's the final decision. But you're expecting Tony Khan to be everywhere and present at every given moment. Yes, it's not. It's not Tony Khan's fault. And yes, he's the boss. And it's not his problem because he's not talent relations. But on Tony Khan's behalf, he needs to put people in place that are going to relay information to him in a timely manner. And when it's this severe, it needs to get to his desk ASAP. Now, I don't know if this falls on the lap of Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels is the talent relations guy. I don't know. But it, it, it needs to be. It needs to be a situation where Tony Khan has people in place that knows what the fuck they're doing. Oh, yeah, go talk to Sanjay Dutt. Oh, yeah, go talk to QT Marshall. Oh, yeah, go talk to Christopher Dance. Clearly, somebody's not doing their fucking job correctly. It sounds like a shit show. So Tony Khan needs to put people in place. If you want talent relations and the talent relations department to be somewhere where the talent feels at ease, you're going to need to put people in there that are going to get that information to you in a timely manner because otherwise you're going to have shit like this become a problem, and Gresham is not going to be the only one that's going to have a fucking problem with the way that they're being handled and their voice not being heard. So yes, it's not Tony Khan's fault. It's not Gresham's fault. They have both gripes, obvious gripes. You could see either side here and the problems that are visible. They're both wrong. They're not wrong, and they're not right. They're both wrong. But Jonathan Gresham, to me, Sounds like a fucking soul loser. If he had a problem with communication, all he needed to do was find somebody that was going to listen to him and get the fucking point across to Tony Khan. Tony Khan needed to tell Gresham, yeah, this is what we're going to do. You know, the show was already built in three weeks. I don't know what the fuck Jonathan Gresham expected in three weeks. The show was put together in three weeks. You either roll with it or you don't. You don't want to be here? There's the door. You clearly made your choice. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if Tony Khan's going to welcome him back. Tony Khan is right. Tony Khan is wrong. Jonathan Gresham's right. Jonathan Gresham's wrong. Sounds like a sore loser. In between all that, right and wrong, Gresham does sound like a sore loser. Gresham sounds like he doesn't grab the bigger picture. If he just remained patient, maybe at the end of all this, his brand that he loves so much would end up with a TV deal and he'd be on television every week like he wants. That's what Tony Khan brought you in for, right? You were the world champion. You were holding a dead title. The fuck do you expect from Tony Khan trying to revitalize the brand that you lead and you're holding a dead championship? If Tony Khan didn't buy this, that championship would be in Vince's hands and in Vince's possession and you'd be working for Impact. If you don't want to be here, there's the door. Go work with your wife in Impact and wrestle in front of fucking 10 people. Fuck the y care. Tony Khan needs to do a better job at talent relations and get someone in there that's going to fucking treat the talent the way they need to be treated and hear the talent when they got a problem like Resham had here right before death, before dishonor. CM Punk. Injury update on CM Punk. He was at the San Diego Comic-Con with a number of AEW talents with him. And it was a multiple-day event, and there was a note coming from this San Diego Comic-Con. He was a part of an AEW panel, Punk noted that his foot is still healing after being shattered and undergoing surgery. He noted that there is currently no timetable for his return and that he's learning to walk after surgery. It was also noted that Punk was wearing a boot during all of the San Diego Comic-Con events. He was moving and people saw him numerous times icing his foot backstage on multiple occasions. The source also claimed... That it was obvious that Punk was in a lot of pain while moving. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to speak for CM Punk or Phil Brooks. I don't want to. I don't want to speak for him, but I, I, I think Punk would be the type of person that realized that everybody is descending upon San Diego and people are going to be very eagle-eyed when it comes to him making his first public appearance since getting surgery. I don't want to say that Punk is not hurt because he very well could be. But I also see it on the other side of things. I see CM Punk being the type of guy to go out there and play with everybody and make it seem like he is hurt, but the recovery is going very good. That That's exactly what CM Punk did is exactly what somebody with a broken foot would do, hobble around and ice it every time there wasn't a panel or every moment he had his free moments for himself, ice his foot. CM Punk wants to keep up the illusion that yeah i don't know when i'm coming back i'm dying over here my foot is not healing the way that it is only for him to show up during the all-out build and get billed in a championship match in chicago for all out in september you think this man wants you to know when he's coming back he's going to do everything to show you he's not coming back and he's not going to be at all out and he's going to be out the rest of the year that's how phil brooks operates now he could be hurt And I could be wrong, but I take it upon what I've seen over the years. and think that CM Punk is a little bit smarter than the average wrestling mark out there, and he's going to play you like a fiddle. Dax Harwood is hurt. Apparently, he's got a torn labrum. The AAA and Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, FTR. They wrestle over 40 minutes against the Briscoes in probably the second best match, depending on what you like better, the first or the second match. They will be top one and two for me anyway, I can tell you right now. Over 40 minutes at death before the sauna with the Briscoes, two out of three falls per Meltzer in the Observer Newsletter. Harwood actually has a torn labrum. This is the same issue that Adam Cole is suffering right now, and Cole will be back on television, though not cleared for in-ring competition, but will be back on Dynamite Wednesday. Dax Harwood is the latest AEW wrestler working with a torn labrum after the Briscoes match. He came out with a swollen eye, a stiff neck, and his shoulder was worse. I hope that he is okay because I could see FTR. FTR wrestled this weekend at StarCast. FTR is going to be a part of big plans moving forward. I don't know what's going to happen. I hope that he takes care of that because we're on a run of a lifetime here, and I would hate to see an injury like this stop FTR's momentum when they are on an absolute run of a lifetime that could see them win the AEW Tag Team Championships upon everything else that they have right now. Raw. Monday Night Raw on Monday from Madison Square Garden was largely written before Vince McMahon had resigned on Friday. If you guys want to change, I'm here to tell you that change is not going to be happening the way you expect it. Vince McMahon announced his retirement on Friday. WWE rolled into Madison Square Garden on Monday. And while speaking on the Observer Radio, Melcher noted that the show was largely written and approved last Thursday before McMahon left. There you go. Triple H, he did what he could do to put his own little fucking seasoning on it. And it was largely the same show that we usually get on Monday. Not good, not good at all. But Triple H showed you exactly where he wants to start working on areas that Vince McMahon had poisoned. This is probably not the show to judge anything on by because the show was largely written before Vince left and was written a lot on Thursday. Nobody ripped up anything. There were a few minor changes is what I was told. Essentially, this was the show that had been approved. They're not making any big changes or anything like that just yet. And of course, SummerSlam They're thinking SummerSlam and beyond. The interest in this show was gigantic. They sold out MSG. I think everybody kind of understands that now, that we're not going to get changed, and that the show was written pretty much by Vince and Vince's team. Triple H took over and inherited all of Vince's problems, and that was Monday, that was Friday, and that was SummerSlam. Monday, we'll start to see a little bit more of that change in effect on Raw from Houston. WWE canceled Riddle versus Rollins at SummerSlam. Details on why Triple H made this decision. We talked about this during the week. Feifel made this uh, report known to everybody via Select. They provided more information on the injury and noting that the injury is kayfabe, that Riddle is not really hurt, and that there are plans to do this match at Clash at the Castle. Those that Feifel spoke to claim it was due to creative adjustments and that the talent was informed Monday with the working plan being that the match is going to take place in September at Clash. Though it's possible that also isn't final, given the ever-changing landscape of creative now that Triple H is in charge, he may think of something completely different to do with Riddle and Rollins. Everybody talked about, oh, is Rollins going to get a match? Is Rollins going to get a match? Everybody talked about Johnny Gargano to Bray Wyatt to Solo Sokoa to Edge to Carmelo Hayes as Rollins' opponent, but to be fair... WWE, Triple H pulled this match. This match was canceled. They never announced that Rollins was going to have a wrestling match. It was only speculation from me and everybody else making it more than it was, which is great for discussion. We love it. This is what we live for. This is what we do. But nobody in WWE even confirmed or hinted that with this match canceled, Rollins was going to have a replacement. They never announced anything. We ran with it and created something that just wasn't there. So to be fair to WWE and Triple H... They pulled it and never announced anything. We made it seem more than it really was. But I don't fault Triple H for this. He wants more creativity with Rollins and Riddle. He wants more of a build. Good. Change. This would not be something that we see two weeks ago with Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard. Triple H sees an opportunity to tell a greater story. He's going to do it. He pulled this match, one of the biggest matches on the show, the match I was most interested in all night. He pulled the match from the show because of long-term booking. I can't fault him for that. If he thinks he could tell a greater story, go ahead. Sacrifices need to be made, and I'm here for it. Cody Rhodes. He's going to be back eventually. I do hope that we get Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, and Cody wins the title from Roman I'm predicting that Drew McIntyre beats Roman Reigns at Clash of the Castle. I could be wrong on that. Some people don't think that's the right move, claiming that Drew McIntyre is not over. I could see that. I, I Listen, I hope it's Cody at WrestleMania. I hope we don't get Dwayne at WrestleMania. I think Cody and Roman is the main event that you're selling. Cody reveals he was fined by WWE for saying belt on the air. So he was a part of the San Diego Comic-Con. Was Cody Rhodes. AEW and WWE was a part of the San Diego Comic Con. Cody was a part of the Mattel panel, which Cody explained about the key words, the banned words in WWE under the Vince McMahon administration. During this panel, a Mattel panelist said title belts before quickly correcting himself to say championship titles, because of, of course, the word belts is banned in WWE. Cody then told the panelist he should say whatever he felt like saying. Buddy, you can say belts. If they find me $1,000 every time I say belts, I'm fine with it. Belts. It can be a title belt. Sure, it's a championship. But it also physically goes around your waist. It's a belt. So those great belts, those are great belts in the new Mattel figures. I wish I was fine with losing $1,000. Cody Rhodes is fine losing $1,000. For anybody wondering what the what the known banned keywords are on top of belts which I hope Triple H changes. I hope we see hospital and belts and DQ and wrestling announced on the show again. These are the listed words banned in the Vince McMahon era. Wrestling, wrestlers, belt, blood, choke, which I understand why that doesn't make TV. Diva, strap, Kfabe, Mofos, Headshot, Trauma, DQ, the anti-Diva, Spinal Injuries, Victim, Violence, WWF, Wife Beater, which is understandable, curb stomp, band, strangle, kill, murder. House show, push, being over, babyface, heel, job, jobber, card, and non-title. Vince is a fucking lunatic. Vince is a lunatic. Jesus Christ, man. I hope Triple H wipes all that shit away on top of championship contenders, matches, and rematches. I hope he wipes it all away. I do. Guys, that's all I got for you. As far as the news is concerned, we are less than 100 away for 1,000 likes. Can you guys hit that thumbs up if you're in the chat? A hundred away for 1,500 likes, man. A hundred away, 1,500 likes. Let's do it. Minimum right here on OTS. We got seven new members tonight. Thank you guys very much for... Hitting that join button and becoming a VIP right here on Off The Script. Today sponsored by Audible, audibletrial.com slash script. 30 days of their service, free, and one free audiobook of your choice. Make sure you guys hit up Audible Man and get that John Moxley book now available. Instead of paying $21.99 or whatever the price may be for that, you guys get it for free. On Audible, right here, courtesy of the podcast. And also follow me on social media, guys, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. I appreciate you guys very much. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Everything you need is on the homepage right now. $5 Super Chat by The Clutch. Love your pre-stream music, JD. It always gets me pumped up. Looch, I appreciate you, bro. You mean to tell me you're not one of the fucking degenerates out there that thinks I'm a Dr. Disrespect ripoff? It's good to know, bro. Do you have a playlist on Spotify or YouTube I could check out? I do not. I may have to do that in the future, bro. I may have to do that. I know you guys love the theme music, and I may have to get a Spotify playlist together one of these days. Larry Kemp with a two-month membership. Thank you, Larry Kemp. Marcus Bryant... Ali Moretz, thank you for your memberships. Moretz with a three-month recommitment. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. King Mo Jackson with a 199 Super Chat. Love the channel. It gets better and better. Two thumbs up. Thanks. Cool face emoji. I appreciate you, King Mo Jackson. Thank you so much, man. I'm trying, bro. The fact that we drew 2,800 people live... On a night where Ric Flair retired for his last match for now is tremendous. Thank you guys very much. Daniel Foy with a new membership. Thank you, Daniel. What are you drinking tonight, brother? Phil with a 999 Super Chat. The Raw Women's Division is stacked, but I want to see what they have in store for SmackDown. That division compared to Raw is weak. I'd merge the divisions. In Triple H, we trust there will be change. Listen, man, in a perfect world, I would eliminate one title. I would make one title only. I'd unify the titles at Survivor Series, and I'd make one championship, and I'd have an entire division between Raw and SmackDown be as one. I'd do that for the women, and I'd do that for the tag team titles. I'd leave the U.S. title on Raw, intercontinental title on SmackDown. You want to flip them in the draft? Fine. We need Roman to drop one of the titles, and the WWE Championship needs to be on Monday Night Raw. That way we can operate with somewhat of a brand split and somewhat of a WWE without a brand split. I've been saying this for years, man. I've been saying this since 2016. Nobody wants to listen to me. And burn the 24-7 title. Fucking burn it and let me fucking laugh as the fiery ash just illuminates the, the night sky. I love it. Thank you, Phil. And yes, if there is no merging of the divisions, he does need to fix SmackDown because right now it's looking a little rough. John in Texas with a six-month membership. Great to be back as a member. Keep up the great work. JD, as always, OTS for life. John in Texas. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you very much for your support. John, I appreciate you, man. Christy Wilson with a 199 Super Chat. The changes for WWE are very subtle. For now, they are. That's exactly what we should be expecting. Subtle changes. We're not going to see... Big, overwhelming changes right from the word go. He was in this week. He was inherited. Raw, which was written by Vincent Bruce. SmackDown, which was written by Vincent Bruce, and SummerSlam that was booked by Vincent Bruce. Susan D'Ambrosio with a ten-month recommitment to the VIP club. I agree. Thank God Triple H is in charge and the talent, especially the women, will be treated with respect and we will have better as far as the WW product goes. I hope so, Susan. Sinister in the chat, from what I have seen, it seems like you didn't opt in for gifted membership. Sinister, I don't know where the fuck to go, bro. I got your comment on SummerSlam's podcast last night in the comment section. You didn't leave me you didn't leave me anything. I don't know. I don't know what to do about these gifted memberships, bro. Michael Evans with a three-month. Thank you for the recommitment, Michael Evans. JD, it feels good to say that we have three solid nights of pro wrestling now. AEW and WWE on the Triple H. Let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Cheers, JD and OTS family. Thank you very much, Michael Evans. I appreciate you, brother. Shorty G. Hiru. Shorty G and Hiru become new members. Thank you guys very much. What are you guys drinking tonight? You have to be a non-member to gift. Bro, I don't I don't know, man. I may talk to some YouTube fucking geek on uh on here, man. I got so I got uh I got like 24-7 service on here, man. I may hit up one of the, one of the techs in the chat. I don't know. Michael Partham with a $5 Superjack. Kevin Dunn is the canary in the coal mine. Whenever he is removed, that's when we'll definitely know Vince's influence is gone for good. I agree with you, Michael Partham. Kevin Dunn has got to go, but Bruce was not named in the list of names that Triple H gave out after the tryouts in Nashville. Bruce was not named. Kevin Dunn was named, but Bruce wasn't. Captain Solo with a 5 and a 2. Do you think we'll see Bray Wyatt back in WWE before year's end? How about Braun Strowman? Bray Wyatt, yes. Braun Strowman, no. And what the heck does Triple H do with Omos? Sends Omos back to the performance. And Omos is not TV ready. And he should be nowhere near the main roster. Sinister becomes a new member. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking tonight, Sinister? You got to give me the uh, lowdown on that fucking gifted membership shit, bro. William Robertson with a 999 Super Chat. With Triple H being head of creative now, what do you think will happen to Cody Rhodes' possible WWE Championship chase when he comes back? Will plans be dropped or will it be done even bigger? No. It's going to be done even bigger, bro. Cody is going to be the world champion. At WrestleMania, if all things go the way that they should, at WrestleMania. CJ Voorhees with a $2 super chat. Thank you for everything you do, J.D. Thank you, CJ. Hiro with a $10 super chat. I pop big for Dakota Kai's music. I'm a big Dakota Kai fan, and I'm over the moon. She's back. Bailey has her crew on Raw. Ronda needs one on SmackDown. I present Shayna Baszler and Sonya Deville. I could see it, bro. I like that. I like that a lot. And I'm already getting a sense that Asuka is going to join the battle with Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch against Bailey, EO, and Dakota Kai, man. I think we're in for a big, big treat. I think we're going to get some Asuka versus EO matches, man. Oh, my goodness. Rich Gamble with a 499 Super Chat. What up, JD and OTS family? When I see Bailey pop up at SummerSlam followed by EO and Dakota, I knew change was and is surely coming. Oh, it's coming, brother. It is coming, and it's going to be great. Nikki Ice with a one ninety nine Super Chat. Ah! Weef. I don't know what that means, bro. Have a good night, Nikki Ice. Ulysses with a $5 Super Chat. With Triple H, I like to see Finn Balor, Nakamura, Dominic Dijakovic, Asuka, Mustafa Ali, Ricochet, Shayna Baszler, and especially... Tommaso Champa at top. Ulysses, you're asking a lot, bro. You're just asking for too much there, bro. Let's wait and be patient. Hooligrim with a $10 super chat. I heard that after 18 Bud Lights, them beer goggles had Kid Rock thinking he was making out with Nikita Lyons. Cheers. Members only for life. Bro, whoever Kid Rock was making out with, I think I may have vomited up my fucking uh, lunch earlier in the day. Bradley Robinette with a 199 Super Chat. Triple H watching Rick's last match for talent. LOL. Probably is. I wouldn't be surprised. Some of that talent may have actually been at the fucking tryout that he conducted with Paul Heyman. Matthew Malnar with a four ninety nine Super Chat. Do you think Nash Carter has a chance to come back and reform Am- Yes, I said this I said this earlier in the week. I said this on Tuesday during my NXT post show. Nash Carter, I absolutely believe, comes back. I don't know what his stance is with Impact. I believe he got back with Trey Miguel and the Rascals are back together. I think Nash Carter back with Triple H and Wesley would be great. And call them up to the main roster. They don't need to be in NXT anymore. Michael Raymond with a $5 Super Chat. Ric Flair did it. He, Lethal, Andrade, and Double double J changed the game again. Karen Angle was there, too. I never thought I'd see him bleed like that. Bro, I, I don't know. Was the match good? Was the match good? Was the tag team match good tonight? Was it worth watching? Nate Knight with a $2 super chat. JD from NY 206 There's Logan Paul at WrestleMania 39 No thank you No thank you bro Logan Paul would wipe the floor with me Ulysses with a 2, a 5, and a 2 I hate casual wrestling fans I say that because the goons Saying why Bailey came back with nobodies Fuck them bro Just because you casuals don't know Don't mean they are nobodies Clearly they are nobodies clearly they are somebody everybody but flair was good huh everybody but flair was good huh I don't know man this uh this sounds like a disaster. I'm glad I didn't cover the show people are like oh Jerry are you're gonna cover the show no I'd rather do my own thing bro and the fact that we still have 2,900 people here on a Sunday night, even with that show on, it shows that a lot of people still care about this and not that. Chris Rutledge with a new membership. Chris, thank you so much, brother. Thank you for becoming a VIP tonight, man. What are you drinking? Flair could barely move. Costa. With a $2 super chat. Ring of Honor should be a touring brand, i.e., house shows. Yes or no? No. Weekly television. That's it. Dan from the 90s becomes a member and leaves a $5 super chat. Thank you, Dan. JD, I agree with you on Cody versus Roman. Russell, man, I would much rather have Cody be the one to dethrone Roman instead of Drew McIntyre. Same here, brother. And Russ Constantine, thank you, Russ, with the $2 super chat. We got a birthday in the OTS venue. It's Russ's 30th birthday. Celebrating my 30th birthday today. Thank you, JD. Russ, happy birthday, brother, and everybody in the OTS venue. My VIPs, I want to see a birthday cake emoji from everybody in the venue for Russ and his 30th birthday. Guys, thank you so much for all of your support. We're nearing three hours. This is the going distance for the show on Sunday. I appreciate you guys, man. I'll be back live with Monday Night Raw. We got Triple H running Monday Night Raw with a clean slate. Oh, I'm excited. I am excited, man. It should be great. Guys, thank you so very much for joining me on your Sunday evening's. We hit 1,500 likes. We got eight new members in the venue. Thank you very much for all of your support. We continue to change the game. We continue to be number one. We're going to do it again next week. Thank you for all of your support on what I do here, man. We hit 5,100 live last night for the SummerSlam post show. Over 4,000 likes. Over 50,000 views. Blew everybody in the community out of the water, man. You guys continue to make this show bigger and better every single week. Follow me on social media, guys, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Everything you need is linked in the description if you can't find me. Continue to join the VIP section, man. We'll be back next week with episode 439. VIP only. We got eight new members tonight. Let's continue to keep those memberships coming in, man. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We just hit 135,000 subscribers before we went live tonight. Thank you guys very much, man. Thank you very, very, very much. And like I said, man, the SummerSlam review with everything else you might have missed on the channel is on the homepage right now. Go and check it out. Everything you need is linked there. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Extras, Friday, SmackDown, you name it, man. And I'll be doing the same thing all over again this coming week. Guys, thank you once again. Listen, hit that thumbs up. Continue to hit that thumbs up. We hit 1,500 plus. I wish 15,000. 1,500 plus. I need those guitar emojis in the chat, and I need that music on max. I'll see you tomorrow night, man. Triple H leading Monday Night Raw into Houston. I'm fucking excited. Let's go. I'll see you guys tomorrow night at the beer garden on Off the script. I'll see you guys later.